Hey guys, brand new podcast. And it is obviously with a heavy heart that I let everyone know that we lost Brody Stevens this week. It is uh, super sad to me. Super sad to my family. Brody was a part of our family. He lived uh, a few blocks away from us and me and my girls would, and Leanne would see him all the time at Starbucks. Yeah. He was a real comic genius. Uh, and I say that in the sense that like, oh, maybe only comics know sometimes. It's like he made us laugh. Like we laughed. We giggle at him. And then and maybe not everyone got what he was doing in the room at times. Maybe there were some meatheads from some fucking place that they wanted it spoon fed to them. And Brody was fucking amazing. I, I met Brody 20 years ago at Collective Unconscious where this woman, Reverend Jen, used to host. And uh, and Brody was a, a meathead like myself. We were both athletes, and it wasn't an athlete's spot to do stand-up. It wasn't, athletes didn't do stand-up back at that time. And uh, he told a joke about 10 things I hate about you. He goes, oh, 10 things I hate about you, 10 things I hate about me. I have hair on my penis, not on the base, halfway up the shaft. Oh, my God. Dude, Brody Stevens was a beautiful guy. He really was. He was at our house right before he had his first breakdown. I think Leanne noticed it. You were like, something's going on with him. He's and off, I, and yeah, he was off. He was off. He was saying weird things. And I, and I, and I, I you know, I always believe in the resiliency of people. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of friends kill themselves and uh and all I'll say if, is if you're thinking about it, don't do it. Uh, obviously you don't do it. But you know, it seems like a silly thing to say, but a suicide hotline actually has saved many people's lives to call a suicide hotline if you're feeling suicidal. I've heard uh, on podcasts, people talk about that one anonymous person listening at that one moment was what saved their life. So it, it sounds, I guess, cliche or cheesy to say call a suicide hotline, but check out Paul Gilmartin's podcast. Yeah, the um, mental illness happy mental hour. Mental illness happy hour. He, I'm sure he has all the info for that, but he's a guy that has dealt with depression. Depression is real. Very uh, real. It's very, very fucking real. It's chemical. It's mm-hmm. not make-believe. It's chemical. Mm-hmm. And it happens. And it's not because you get on meds or get off meds. It's just real. And who cares? Get on the meds. Get on the fucking meds. If they work, they fucking save your life. Dude, it's, it's hard for me to walk across the street and see our Starbucks and not look for Brody. Because I always yeah, look for him. I know. I bet. I look for him, too, actually when I drive by and I would see him all the time. He's Either going such... in or coming out or sitting on a stool outside. He pushed it to the limit. <laughs> there were so many catchphrases he had that killed it. Check out Kill Tony this week. I did Kill Tony. And I, I look, if you're a Brody fan, if you listen to the podcast, you heard him on my podcast, that Kill Tony is so goddamn funny because Brian Redband, by the way, who's a gem in this business? Yeah. Brian Redband is one of the fucking funnier people that doesn't get credit for it. Yeah. He pulled all these Brody clips. Yeah. And then played them during the show. At one point, Tony said to the girl who's a little overweight on stage, 
if I put your and Bert's weight together, how much do you think she'd weigh? You guys would weigh. And then Brian had the clip of Red of uh, Brody going eight one eight till I die. <laughs> I, I swear to God, one of my favorite memories of Brody is, uh, and I posted this online. If you've heard this second time, is me and Georgia were walking across the street, and we were walking from Gelson's over to Starbucks, mm-hmm. and Brody's outside having coffee and he's periscoping, and uh, Brody sees me. And Georgia sees Brody see me, and then Georgia goes, "Dad, Brody Stevens, <laughs> I I'm gonna miss that guy incredibly. You know, it's like one of the guys that you think it'll be there forever. I mean, he's just not. Just one day he's not. Just yeah. one day you go like I'll never see him again. And then you question, did you spend enough time with him? Did you take care of him enough? Did right. you? Like, you know, and I, and I know the only thing I feel solace in is that, like, I definitely, if I was getting a coffee and he was there, mm-hmm. I would sit down with him. Always. Right. Always. Every time, without a doubt. Right. Sometimes you'd see him, you'd have groceries in your hand, you'd walk past Brody Stevens, 818 till I die, believe, push. And it was, you know, a nice, Brody was so good at, like, shutting off conversation and, like, getting it moving. And you, and, and I posted it on my Instagram I was with Jimmy Tingle and he walked out. He said one of the funniest fucking lines. Did you see that video? I, no, I saw that you posted it, but I hadn't watched it. Oh, so great. Jimmy Tingle was talking about, Brody said, do you reply to people on your on your Facebook? And I said, uh, no, I don't even look at my Facebook. And Jimmy Tingle said, uh, I, I, if you post a picture of your family, it gets good response. And I laughed at that because obviously that doesn't get good response for me. And then Jimmy was like, uh, you know, I posted a picture with my wife on our anniversary and it got a thousand likes. And Brody goes, wow, I've never gotten those. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you should try it. And then Brody goes, can I take a picture with your wife? (laughs) (laughs) He was a very sweet, sweet guy. Yeah, he was. Very sweet. I'm going to miss him a lot. Yeah. There's a heaviness going on at the store right now. I'm sure. Where everyone is just checking on everyone and everyone's getting believe and push tattoos and enjoy it. Aw. Bless his heart. If you haven't seen Enjoy It, his uh it's I think it's on Hulu or Amazon right now. It's really f- uh, 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 one of the most important documentaries ever made about comedy because it does document depression. Yeah. And what Brody went through. And comics I think do have depression, I think. And comics have some comics have some definitely mental quirks, if not mental illness. I think a lot of them have a lot of. They're very quirky. I'm mentally. there. I'm there. And um, I've never been suicidal. I think I'm too uh, narcissistic. <laughs> Maybe, but you're also a pretty optimistic person. I'm a very optimistic person. Um, I but never I saw Brody as a pessimist, but. I think he he may have had some chemical stuff going on. I I gotta tell you, it's if you got it going on, go seek out some help. Yeah, there's help. Look, for I, you. look, it's not. There's no weakness in it. I've talked openly on this podcast about having anxiety. I've talked openly on this podcast about hope, having OCD, ACD, ACD, PTSD, PTSD. I've like and and by the way, my PTSD is undiagnosed and soft. I got it from riding fucking roller coasters, but it's it's. It's real to me. Well, it was diagnosed. Uh, by who? Dr. Wetter. Yeah, I know, but that's 
technically one dude. My point is, yeah, but he's a professional. I know, but my my point is, it was diagnosed. My point is, to someone listening here, they may not diagnose it. Yeah, they may just go like, I don't, I don't want to sound like a pussy. You know, well, no, that, but yeah, no, no. I think what you were doing for Travel Channel cannot be constituted as being but a my pussy. Po- my, my point is, I'm trying to say is you like jumping off buildings. I, I don't want to light. I don't want to lighten the load on someone listening that goes, dude. I just worked at a at an explosive factory or whatever. Yeah, I don't no, know. no, no, no. I understand what you're saying. People with much more severe um, experiences have PTSD, and you know, so do people who are in terrible car accidents, and so do people who who suffer from domestic violence. And yeah. PTSD can come in all different types of forms. I swear to God, my first representation of PTSD is when Gilda Suarez got hit by an orange in the side of her head. What? And it knocked her unconscious. Who is Gilda it's a Suarez? Long story that we'll save for the podcast. What? I got. I, I was in it. We. I don't know. It's a long story, baby. It doesn't make sense. Well, you're the one that brought it up. I know. I know. But my, my point is, if you're going through some shit and you feel like you're going through some shit, try to recognize it ahead of the curve. Love yourself enough to get some help. It's okay to get some help. It's really okay to get some help. And the people around you, even though they may talk shit and trash about therapists and therapy, really would rather you get help than be miserable and hopeless because I think what happens with a lot of people with depression is they get into this pit of hopelessness and they can't pull themselves out of it. And that's I felt that, by the way, I've been there guys. Like I'm not I'm not saying I'm I'm numb to it. I've definitely fucking been there. I mean like I've been there with a family and two kids and just laying in bed going like nothing makes sense. And then you not everyone's so lucky to have people in their lives that can just pull them out of it. Right. Or go, or, you know, Leanne's a little bit of a gangster where she's like, hey, it's fucking 10 a.m. We're getting out of bed. It's noon. It's a Sunday. We're getting out of bed. There's no weakness in telling people you have your problems. And all the only reason I say that is I have lost way too many fucking friends to suicide. Yeah, you have lost more than most people. I think maybe that speaks to how I listen, but how you listen, I don't listen to anyone. I guess no, that doesn't have anything to do with you. I think it's a natural inclination to blame yourself when someone, you know, and love commits suicide. But the truth of the matter is if someone has made their mind up, it's very hard for anybody else to stop them. They are the person that can stop themselves. And some, something is as, you know, cliche is calling the suicide hotline maybe all Just they need. It. Just call it. It's. Do you have this, can we pull that up, the number for the suicide hotline as Halston looks it up? It just doesn't, you can't take it back. That's what kills me. No. I've had best friends kill themselves. Yeah. And it just fucking, don't do it. Just don't do it. That's, Brody's one of the sweetest guys you'd ever meet. Man, you can never, here we go. This is the number of the suicide hotline. Right now, this is Halston. 1-800-273-8255. 273-8255. All right. There you go. If you're feeling down, call someone and talk to someone. It's free therapy. Just <laughs> bullshit with them for an hour. That's therapy what is super helpful. Ser- therapy is super helpful. Yeah, it is. And if you can get into therapy, Leanne did something through the Right Right Institute. The Right Institute. Right yeah. Institute, mm-hmm. where they made you pay what you could pay at the time. Right. 
I Check paid, that I out. think, 20 bucks a session because that's all I could afford. And yeah. that's what they, that's what they took. And I, I wish I knew more information about this, about how to get people help. I just know that that's going on. I know that in, Instagram and social media isn't helping. It. I know for a fact that I itch the itch when I'm like, I feel down. I should like post to Instagram. And then I get stuck in this fucking hole. In the vortex. It's a, it's a vortex, man. You have to pull yourself out of it. You know, I took the girls and my Girl Scout troop camping this weekend. And on the way home... I asked the girls in my car how they liked the weekend without any electronics because there were no electronics. And they all like, like went, it was so great. And I thought, isn't that the truth? We just get in this vortex and all of a sudden you've lost a whole day of your life. And then that makes you feel depressed because you've lost a whole day of your life scrolling through Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and whatever. And YouTube videos of cats like chasing their own tail for six hours, and I was—I thought that was pretty interesting. That the group full of Very middle schoolers just went, "Oh, so great!" And I thought, you know, you can make that choice every day. You can choose every day not to get on that vortex, but it's really it's hard. hard to it's do. Really hard. It's really hard. I mean, that's what everybody their age is doing. You know, the increase in teen suicide right now is insane they don't realize that, that like not to absolve brody of his suicide but like i think he had dealt with depression for a long time very long time he had struggled and, and, and he had struggled with it and not and not I, there's no absolving of it because he didn't realize how many people missed him how many people loved him i mean the outpouring he had forty five thousand tweets about his passing if he had known that before he killed himself, he would have been like, 45,000 people know me. That's a tour. <laughs> God, he was so fucking funny. He makes me giggle. Right. I, I still, still to this day, I'll do Brodyisms. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You're saying. Oh, no, that's okay. It's totally fine. Yeah. But like, when you're a child and you think about suicide, it's a call for attention. No, I don't know. Lately, you know, I have two friends who have been trying to get on my podcast who went back to school in their 40s to become high school guidance counselors. Coincidentally, two Mm -hmm. friends who weren't even friends with each other. And uh, they are high school guidance counselors now at local high schools. And one local high school has had three suicides this year, which is a 96% rise. Whatever happened to just doing drugs? It's insane. And that's not a call for attention. I mean, that's permanent. I think it's it's a permanent. I mean, there's a permanence to death. Can I I transition this into like an authentic read? Okay. And I don't mean to like flippantly go into a, a read. Uh-huh. I think spending time with your family matters. I really do. And it like, does. One of the things, and I know we're going into reads right now, guys. Just disconnect. If you're if you're not a read guy and you heard that conversation and you want to like tap out, I get it. One of the things that makes me secure about our family's relationship and I know that this is going right into a read, is is Blue Apron, is yeah. the way that you spend time with your family. Yeah. Spending time with your family and connecting and really like slowing things down and allowing yourself to enjoy a dinner together is so fucking important. I, I know that we had a super heavy intro 
that about our friend passing and I don't I don't mean to like try to like mesh it into read on purpose but god damn it if if I don't feel closer with my daughters if you're a parent this is so silly to say this but if you're a parent like worrying about your kids have dinner with them have fucking dinner with so them. So true. Every at the table. Fucking night. Right? At the night. Not in front of the TV. At the table. This is going to fold into a read. I'm letting you know a read's coming up. But like, <laughs> but the truth is, I'm looking at this blue apron read sitting to my left, and I go, one of the things I know is that our family sits down and has dinner together. Yeah, at least two nights a week, if not more. We I'm try saying, to do it not, every night, but we don't. I mean, we're not always home together every night, but I'm two nights saying, a week I'm we I'm not do. saying that we're like immune to depression immune to any of the things going on but fucking one of the coolest things is making a dinner for your family and everyone trying it together and going like what is this you know yeah it's a way to connect and it's a way to check in you know you just check in check everybody's temperature how is how's everybody doing i know this is gonna piss off blue apron all of this because it folded in from that to this but this is what a fucking podcast is it's pretty real and I'm super bummed about my friend's passing. And one of the things that you cons- are concerned about as a parent is like, how do I keep my kids safe? Yeah. How do I keep my kids away from drugs? How do I keep them? And by the way, I do drugs. Like, I mean, how do I keep them away from drugs? How do I keep them grounded? How do I not d- get them into the darker side of life? It really is eating dinner. I've said this o- ad nauseum, but like my daughters are... N- are going to be more grounded in life because of Blue Apron. I, I sincerely believe that. Blue Apron entered our life probably, what, three years ago? Something like that, yeah. Three years ago, and we started getting the Blue Aprons delivered to our house, and then we would make them. And the first thing we noticed is that our daughters took more adventures on what they would eat. Yeah, they would try things they would never try if I had just never. come up with that recipe. They would never have tried it, but they will ask, is this a Blue Apron? Yeah. And then they'll try it. They don't even think twice about it. They'll try it. And they usually eat eat it. It's very rare that there's something that I, I Georgia will eat anything. But it's very rare that there's something Isla doesn't like. Very rare. Very, Maybe one Isla's meal the, a year. <laughs> yeah. And it's what's funny is that uh, it allows us a time for me and Leanne to cook together and yeah. work a meal together. Yep. The girls just sit in. They go, hey, guys, dinner's ready. And the girls set the table together. It's almost like a John Boy like the like, Waltons, yeah, like the Waltons. <laughs> moment. We got a hound dog in the kitchen. Some the Reed chickens started running around the, our feet. The Reed started. Everybody, <laughs> get out of the depression mode. We're the Reed started, uh, but it really has changed our life. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with Blue Apron. I said this at the podcast on fronts. I'll be a, I'll be a fan of Blue Apron until the day I die. Oh, if they stop advertising, we'll still be a customer. I mean, you know. Sadly, don't let them hear that. No, but no, that's how much we believe in it. That's my point. Is oh. we, we're not saying this because they advertise. We would be a customer anyway. Yep. The uh, hardest part of meal prep is what to cook. All meals are under 45 minutes to make. Some now are under 20 minutes. Uh, they give you... A ton of meals to pick from. It is literally, it it makes cooking not a burden for a family anymore. It actually makes it fun for us. It it teaches you new kitchen skill sets. For I mean, sure. like, literally, we we talk about what what's it called? The stuff at the end of the pot, the end of the fond. pan, the fond. Mm-hmm. We talk about fond all the time. The the whole goal of this company, which by the way, if you don't know, Blue Apron is a meal delivery service that is the number one meal delivery service. Fresh ingredients delivered to your door. 
uh, all meals, inexpensive, meaning at least under $10 per person. They're fucking awesome. We love them. I hope that this uh, weird intro that was organic didn't fuck them up. I'm glad they, they're supporters of the podcast. But if you want to check out this week's menu and get $60 off when you first visit blueapron.com slash birdcast. Start making delicious, bragworthy meals at home without hassle. Try blueapron.com. Here's what you do. Go to this week's menu and get $60 off when you go to blueapron.com slash birdcast. That's blueapron.com slash birdcast. Blueapron.com slash birdcast. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Now, how do we morph from those reads into these reads oh i have one if you're feeling down if you're feeling depressed mm-hmm. you could always put your resume on zip recruiter and change your life <laughs> you are fucking hilarious but it's true dude i met the guys at zip recruiter at the podcast up fronts yeah Can i tell you those guys are fucking gangsters they are the thing my favorite thing about zip recruiter is they're killing it right now. If you're looking for a job, yeah. or if you're looking to hire people, more importantly, if you're looking to hire people, yeah. go to ZipRooter.com. Boy, is that, that's, can you tell I've been drinking? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they find the right person for you immediately. Yeah. What I love about these guys is on the ZipRecruiter commercial that goes during uh, football games, Yeah, they have all the schools, the big like schools that are in the uh, top, 20 yeah they have them all on banners in the back and i noticed that you did i noticed it hard as fuck i was like it, like an idiot i was like oh florida state's back there <gasps> oh florida state oh florida state why are they why are they including state schools uh that's the big schools baby doll. i'm just kidding <laughs> zip recruiter if you don't know sends your job to over a hundred of the web's leading job boards and they don't just stop there with their powerful matching technology zip recruiter scans thousands of resumes to find you the right people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job an application comes in zip recruiter analyzes analyzes i'm drunk i'm drunk analyzes and analyzes and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match zip recruiter is so effective that 80 percent of the employers who post on zip recruiter get a qualified candidate through the first day cha-ching and right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive website, ZipRecruiter.com slash BertCast. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-R-T-C-A-S-T. ZipRecruiter.com slash BertCast. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Here's what I want to see. I want to see you do a read. Me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, do... Um, Wait, why? Oh, because I can good. read? Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to see you do this. And then you pass it back and forth to me the way I do to you. What do you mean pass I can't it read back out, and forth? Because I can't read it out loud, so I throw what it to you. What do you mean? Like, what? All right. I don't know what you mean. Start with throw this podcast. Throw paper is, at you? No, 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 no. So this podcast is brought to you by This Macari. podcast is brought to you by Macari. Oh, is this what a read would sound like on Leantix? I don't know. Uh, is your home like mine, cluttered with stuff your husband won't pick up? Start it over. I don't no, like it. I already don't like it. I already don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I just not really what it says. <laughs> no, I know. I'm well aware of that. It does say, is your home like mine, cluttered with stuff you don't use anymore or your stuff husband. your husband buys and then never uses ever? Like you mean shoes like that? that no one's touched? Clothes and shoes you don't wear, taking up valuable closets to space. How many pairs of Jordans would you say you own? How many pairs of triathlon bikes do I have? Uh, Three. That I used once. Exactly. Stupid. Old phones hiding in a drawer, toys and games that the kids aren't interested in anymore. We got some of those, so don't we? better these reads than me. You know what I'm talking about, right? I do. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I do know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> well, let me tell you about an app you can use to sell this stuff. It's called Mercari. Shut up. Mercari is a selling app that Dude, makes gonna, it fast gonna, stop, and stop, easy stop, to stop, sell stop. almost I'm anything. Gonna, I'm going to lose all my sponsorship to you because you're so much better at this. But I don't you. have any listeners. I mean, I have listeners. I don't have enough listeners to be to advertise. Keep going. Keep going. I'm going to hear more about Mercari. Okay. All you have to do is take a few pictures, add a description, and boom, your item is listed. Mercari will even email you a shipping label when it sells. Everything ships too. So there are no awkward meetups with strangers. I love this app. I love this app. The app has over Wait, three. how does it Wait, you just take a picture on your phone? You take a picture and then you, you and you uh, post it through Mercari yeah. and you add a description like this is one of Bert's hats that he wore one time, size 8, and then you post it. I have it. a big head or I have so many hats I never worn. Yeah, you have a lot of hats. I have a you've ton of hats worn. I've never worn. Yes, that are they're literally size eight, but a small size eight. A small size eight. Yep. What does that mean? It means I put it on. It was a little too tight. I like a hat that slides on my head. Oh, is that right? Like an eight yeah. and a quarter? No, I got an eight and a half. Eight and a half day, too and big. It's way too big. Yeah, like okay, eight and five eighths. I'll tell you what. I have a lot of is hats that don't fit at all. Really? Sell them you have a lot of snapback hats that people have given you. No? I have a million snapback hats I've never put on. Yeah, you do. We should. I we have should a million shirts I've never worn. There's a lot of stuff I could sell. Totally. On yeah. And you know, this Mercari app has over 300,000 reviews on the App Store with an average of a 4.8 star rating. Uh, so it's, you know, totally worth a try. That's really great. Um, over 100,000 items get listed every day on Mercari. And millions of people use the Mercari app in all 50 states. This stuff really sells. So it's not like some sites where you put it up there and it sits there for months and never sells. You have to repost it and repost it. Apparently, this, it moves on this app, which you is really that, great. You did that early on with us, right? When you were cleaning out the garage? Yeah, I, I've done that before. And it's it's really annoying on a, a different app, a nameless app. But a this, nameless app. A nameless app. But this app sounds amazing. Um, it's nice to do all that within your fingertips. Totally, right on your phone. Um, so don't let that stuff you don't use go to waste sell it ship it and get paid with mercari you can find mercari on the app store or on mercari.com m-e-r-c-a-r-i mercari the selling app oh, i just picked a booger out of my that nose. is disgusting there's a tissue right next to you oh you just totally used the tissue it's right there you're so gross getting you know my people healthy. sit on that couch too <laughs> Getting fit and staying oh healthy God. always sounds easier than said than done. Mercari's going to drop you. Oh, Mercari might. <laughs> I just put her there. It's so gross. <laughs> There's a tissue next to where you put it. By the way, this is, hey, if you are an ad sales copy reader and you're listening to this going like, fuck, I should probably report this. These are the ads that people listen to, in they my opinion. They actually do, actually. Like is when they really do listen to them. That's I, the this is the ads I listen to. I'm so sorry that I'm a fuck up 
that I'm a complete and total fuck up. If you're a buyer, hit up Nina and and David and tell them I, I'm sorry. <laughs> but this is I, this is what a fucking podcast is. Well, that and uh, uh, you know I was with you on the road those first four days of your tour, and so many people were like, "My favorite part of your podcast is the reads." It's the, these <laughs> they're a read that you feel like people run through. Uh, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not no. bad if you're looking to skip through a podcast and like bloop bloop bloop. But if you're fucking listening to a podcast and you're a fan, those fucked up reads like Push did a read on on uh, on um, your mom's house the other day that made me laugh so fucking hard. Oh yeah, I was howling laughing, and it was just because Tom was fucking with her. And literally halfway through, I was like, I guess I get slut box or whatever the fuck it was what i don't know i'm not slut box something i don't know it was a fucking this podcast is also brought to you by open fit guys i am training for uh the tough mutter in april do not pick up your fucking magazine (laughs) it's like you tapped out do you understand how a fucking read goes it's like i'm engaged with you i did my read Put your fucking magazine down are you gonna do uh tough mutter with me i i don't know Leanne, Leanne, please what? stop. What? You're fucking killing me. You're picking up Land's End? Land's End, no. It's Serena and Lily. I don't know what this is. It's a new mail order catalog. I was just going to breeze through it while you're talking. Open Fit takes all the complexity <laughs> of losing weight and gets you fit. The complacency? It's brand new. It's a super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as quick as 10 minutes a day now the thing i love about it on the tour bus is you can literally go in i think it's a uh, not 190 seconds if they they break it down into seconds but it's 10 minutes a day and you can do a quick workout and it gets your body fit for me i'm using it for the uh uh tough mutter yeah a bunch of us are doing tough mutter in april in los angeles who else uh darren turbo oh he uh, is aaron yeah eric is we were going to try to do the whole group. I okay. thought you were doing it too. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know oh, about this. Oh, now you're back in the podcast. Is this something you discussed in though. Vegas? It's super simple. It's 600 seconds. That's what I meant to say. It's 600 seconds. <laughs> Forget about... Shut the fuck up. Why are you laughing at me? 190 seconds. <laughs> How long is 190 seconds? Like two minutes? Three and a half minutes. That's a great workout. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're so stupid. You're a fucking asshole. You're a fucking asshole. Hundred ninety second workout. That is open. My lips gonna split open. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck off! Oh. We may have to do this read again. Nope, tomorrow. nope. It stays the way it is. Oh God! Celebrity trainers. <laughs> Celebrity trainers like Devin Wilkins and Andrea Rogers. Oh God! Throw <laughs> up! I'm gonna throw up! Oh! Deep oh. breath, deep breath. See if you can breathe for 190 seconds straight. Yeah, <laughs> <fuck> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> You're gonna bust the blood vessels in your eyeballs. Oh 
Fuck, I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> Lose up to 15 minutes. pounds in thir- the first 30 days. Flatten your abs, shape your body, and look great and feel great again. Dude, fuck off. I have fuck. This ad is all over the map, but this is true. I am doing open fit on the tour bus. Open fit is awesome. If you want to get into that cross training shape, but not go to training classes, and I'm sure that's something I shouldn't say in this read. But if I lose open fit as a sponsor, this laugh was well worth it. I could not stop laughing harder than this. We're doing the uh, Tough Mudder in April. Do it with me. Go to Open Fit. Get onto that 10 minute, 130 second workout. <laughs> do it on your tour bus. Do it at your house. Do it at work. It's 10 fucking minutes. It is aggressive. It'll definitely put you in good shape. I promise you, your heart rate will be racing at the end of this 10 minutes. I promise you. I've done it myself. And I did it right before I went on stage in Louisiana, in New Orleans. And I, I was like, I got out of the shower. I did a jog before that. Got out of the shower and I was like, I should do some push-ups. And I was like, you know what? I got this Open Fit app. Hit it up. Did it. And I was sweating profusely. Anyone that was at that show in New Orleans knows hardcore. I could not stop sweating. And I was out of breath for like the first fucking 10 minutes. I also, Dusty, went short. And I was like, I didn't know that. Uh-oh. Yeah. Anyway, it changed the way I worked out. Let it change the way you work out. Use the promo code BERT. You can join right now on my fitness journey. Let me read this copy for real. I'm sorry, everybody. This is just an authentic read. Open Fit has changed the way I work out. That is true. And with my promo code BERT, you can join me on my fitness journey and personalize it just for you. Again, use the code BERT and start using Open Fit for your journey to a healthier lifestyle. I am 246 pounds today you are yeah is that heavier light uh i i I don't know is it heavier light it's kind of light is it yeah Mm. for me on the road it's been a rough year has it it has it's been a great year what are you talking about it's been a great year but i've been unhealthy and i haven't been using this app enough yeah and and a lot of a lot of it for me is i gotta uh, i don't know i don't know Right now, during the Open Fit 30-Day Challenge, my listeners can get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to Open Fit, where you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days when you text BERT to 303030. You will get full access to Open Fit, all the workouts, all the nutritional information, totally free. Again, all you got to do is text BERT to 303030. That's BERT to 303030. All right, this podcast, I'm so sorry. It's been a fucking shit show. I can't help it, but uh, I had so much fun doing the open read. I'm not going to slag on uh, talking about Brody, and I had so much fun during the fucking reads. This is a barn burner, in my opinion. I love both of these people. I've known them as long as podcasting has been around. Both of them have been around. I am buzzed. You No shit, Sherlock. Do I sound drunk? Yeah. Really? No. I'm on a cleanse. You I yeah, okay. Yeah, I had some steak tonight. An astringent cleanse? We had a great podcast. Uh I've known Greg Fitzsimmons for twenty years. I've known him as long as I've been in the business. He's a fucking a phenomenal guy. One of the best comics doing it, like an OG in the game. I always say I'm an OG in the game, but Greg Fitzsimmons is a legit OG in the game. Like if you want to break down do- joke structure, writing, show running, anything, Greg knows all of it. Um, Allison Rosen was on uh, Adam Carolla's podcast when it first started. Literally, 
hardcore OG in the game got uh she got fired and I'm sure she doesn't want me to share that in the open but kept with her podcast and has kept her podcast strong I just did her podcast recently they have started a podcast together called Childish and it's both about raising kids they're in different places in their lives about raising kids Allison is pregnant full-blown pregnant we talk a lot about sex on the podcast full-blown pregnant with a with a young boy and Greg has a daughter and a son that are both I think soon heading off to college. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg's a great dad. He's a really is a great dad. Yeah. He's one of those guys as a dad that I would look at and go like, oh, I hope I'm that good. And I have definitely dropped the ball. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, You're a pretty good dad. Yeah, but Greg was pretty involved. He was. A, he's a great dad. He's a great fucking dad. He's a great dad and he's a great comic. He's a great podcaster. He's a great radio host. He's a great guy all around. Allison... Is okay as well. But <laughs> no, She's Allison's great. fucking awesome. I like She's her. She's awesome. She seems uh, very real. And I can't wait to hear their podcast. I haven't listened to it yet. I'll be listening to it on the road. Ladies and gentlemen, today's podcast. Greg Fitzsimmons and Allison Rosen. This is... Damn, look at this shit. Oh, yeah. That's intense. <laughs> that is... Uh, is it a cold brew? That is um, Hopsy. It's a sponsor of my podcast. That's oh. perfect timing to bring that in. Are you rolling? Yeah, that's Hopsy. Uh, it is a... It's Krups, so it's just like those coffee pod things, except the pods are right there. Those are the pods, and they're micro brews, IPAs, and you plug them in. It's six beers. It's fucking awesome no kidding it is absolutely if you drink i mean it's pointless if you don't drink but yeah don't I judge love it. me like that <laughs> I, I drank bird i drank i had a lot of adventures when i drank i've drank a lot less lately yeah i've been drinking a ton less lately because i got a tour bus and it's changed my life I've wait seen, I would have think... you not seen pictures of his tour bus no. it's got a big picture of him shirtless on the side it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> so it does that not like there's two things that people must ask you all the time. Number one, it will it hurt your career to quit drinking, and number two, will it hurt your career to lose weight? Uh, I don't think I I don't know about I really don't think of the lose weight thing. Although I can't lose weight, I've been trying. Um, when I first when we first entered into sober October, uh, it started with a group of texts while I was at a Rockies game, and it was Joe saying you couldn't quit drinking for ninety days, and unwisely i replied easy peasy <laughs> and he was like and then they're like i smell a bet and it all of a sudden it started escalating like crazy and i sent it to my manager i said just give me a heads up i'm gonna be i should be quitting drinking for the next 90 days and everyone across the board were like this is going to ruin your career yeah it doesn't affect my comedy it doesn't affect my fans watching my comedy it doesn't affect any of that what it affected aggressively during sober october was clubs wanting me to be there Clubs just didn't want me there. Why? No shit. My good friends, really, Whoa. really good friends that own clubs that are general managers did not want my business. Did they think that fans knowing that you're not drinking would result in them not drinking? They thought, they well, they no one across the board in the comedy community likes Sober October. Because, mm -hmm. For me, for my business. Because uh, it cuts, a lot of people do it with us. A lot of people mm. quit drinking also. Yeah. And so to come to a club and literally bar sales are cutting a third because a lot of people are doing sober October also. Yeah. And then uh and I mean it was it was really crazy like 
like I'll be very candid. I was in Omaha with Colleen at the Funny Bone, and she was like, "Are you sure you don't want to drink? Are you? I mean, <laughs> just a few drinks. I mean, just just this weekend. It wouldn't be that bad if it was just this weekend." I was in Virginia Beach, and Rick was there, and he was like, "He was like, come on, man, just a few cocktails. What's it gonna kill, huh? Yeah. Because the second I drink, I mean, bar sales go through the roof." Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a thing with uh, your old partner, Adam Carolla, because, mm. you know, I haven't drank in... Uh... I was there. Oh, you were there? I, yes, I know. Go ahead. Tell 20 the story. 20-something years I hadn't had a drink, and it drives Adam crazy. Really? And so he put this... he sells this... alcohol. Oh, yeah. Right. So he put this full court press on me to drink some Angria <laughs> in the studio. What? And, like, wouldn't let up, and it got to be where I got... How would you describe my reaction? defensive and contentious yeah we got into it that was the feeling in the room yeah but also it was the feeling of like wait are you adam are you being you know he's sober right like people don't just throw that away (laughs) right and it's not sober october sober where you're going back to (laughs) it no it's like it's a lifelong commitment to like my wife and children hang in the balance of me not drinking yeah you know you're a friendly good healthy drunk you're a pied piper for other drinkers i am a destructive fighting guy that goes to jail when i drink i've seen those fight those fighting guys that when they drink they get fighting yeah i that is so far away from who i am yeah i hate confrontation the uh you don't mind confrontation though i love confrontation but how did I, that is how could adam justify if you started drinking <laughs> That's what I said. I go, you got to call my wife. If you get me to start drinking, your first call is my wife to explain what you just did to our family. It seemed like a bit at the beginning. Yeah. Like I thought he was just joking, but then it went on. I'm like, yeah. oh no, he wants, he really wants you to drink. It won moment of the year at the Ace Awards. <laughs> really? On the, on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you miss those days of podcasting when it wasn't so people biting their tongue and thinking what they were saying? Yeah. And it was just dis- career destroying. Because we didn't think anybody was listening. I didn't think anyone was fucking listening. Right. Do you remember the time that we did a podcast? We talked about this on your podcast. Oh, no, 100%. This is the best. This is the best. One I of the best terrible. podcasts I've ever terrible. done in my life. Like two weeks after her, she gets fired from Corolla. I, I start off the interview. I go, how you doing? She goes, not good. I went, really? I go, what's going on? And she just fucking lights up. Just let me tell you about this. Not, not, not. We do 30 minutes. We do 30 minutes of like, at one point, it's like a so lot good. of details. I'm not like real minute details. And I'm not even listening at one point. Cause I'm going, all right, how's this going to affect my relationship with Adam? And, and then in the middle of it, she just stops and she goes, I don't want to say any of this. No, what I said. What did you say? I said, I feel on. I said, it was a little more than two weeks after. It was because, like, there was already a lot of like shit swirling around about it, and so in the course of saying all of it, I'm like, oh my god, another fucking podcast where I'm talking about this. This is like, I don't want this to be the only thing I talk about. And every time I mention it, there's so much blowback from every direction, and like. I feel like I'm stronger with that stuff now, but it doesn't, yeah. every, oh, everyone oh, oh, in this oh. room knows, it doesn't feel good. Yeah, yeah, oh, oh, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna connect to that in a second, but the best part of this is that she goes, can we just start over? And I went, yeah. And then I went, so how you doing? And she was like, good. <laughs> 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 no, it's once you're I, once you're past something like that, it's like my, my issue with Jay and the beef I had with Jay was all started on podcast. It all came to a head on podcast. It was what anyone wanted to talk to me about when I did radio or podcast. Yeah. And it was so it was so so inflamed for me that anything I said, I would then lay in bed re 
going over my head again and going like, mm. did I did I make things worse for him? Did I make things worse for me? Did I make did I make things worse for like it was just a fucking nightmare? And now, nine years later, I'm very comfortable talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Now when people ask me, and they're like surprised that I'm willing to talk about it, but I think what happened was I said just sort of saying out loud what I was thinking. I feel. I think I said like quote unquote. I feel uncomfortable talking about it even now. Yeah. And then you, because you're so nice, you're like you do. Well, we don't have to put this out. And I'm like, oh my god, that'd be amazing. I've never ever ever asked anyone to not put something out. But I've like, asked, I've asked people. You offered, and so I took you up on it. But I felt so guilty. Yeah. I, I felt have, really bad. I said the N word on Bobby Kelly's podcast one time. Now I've said it a few times on podcasts, but at the very beginning of podcasting. And it was as a, it's never like using it. You were the one that told me the difference between saying it and using it. Right. Because um, you asked me on your podcast, have you ever said the N word? I went, no. And you went, come on, Bert. And I went, <laughs> I mean. And you're like, I didn't ask you, did you use it? I said, right. have you said it? And I went, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah plus, your, your old producer was black. So, you know, you, you would get angry. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, eh, it comes out. <laughs> Wait, what's the difference between using it and saying it? Well, using it means you're actively being racist. You're using the word to shame and oppress. Saying it is just to say there's a word that oh, is see. nigger. It's a word, you yeah. know? And say, we'll all say it together. One, two, two three. N word. <laughs> <laughs> but like, no, but that's one of the things. Like, if I ever ran for office or was up for a serious job, yeah. they would go back and some, some asshole would splice yeah. together every time I said the N word. It's, well, it's, you know, it's like once it's out, you can't un get unpregnant. Yes. And so once it's out there. And, and yes, you can. It's called abortion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You can't do it. In the you can't get a little bit pregnant. I'm, I'm going to say a little bit pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't get unpregnant. Yo, you totally can. You actually you fall down a flight of stairs. Yeah. <laughs> Not for long, but for now you can get unpregnant. I'll be, I, I'll be getting unpregnant in like two weeks. So. Oh, that's but, true. God willing. Is that when yeah. you give birth? <clears throat> yes. Are you excited? Two to three weeks. I am excited to not be pregnant anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm obviously I'm excited to have another baby. Boy or girl? Boy. Nice. Two boys? Yep. I have a two-year-old at home. And then, then are you done? Yes. You had three? No, just two. Boy just and two. a girl. Boy and a girl. Yeah. How's your girl? My girl's 15 and my son is 18. Yeah, so he's son's going to college stud. in the fall. Your son's a stud. He's captain of two soccer teams that were both undefeated last year. I saw a picture of you and him together yeah yeah he's two and a half inches taller than me yeah and he's gorgeous and he's just he's the most straight down the middle straight a's he got into every school he applied to and i'm gonna miss the shit out of him because like i just stare at him going like where did you come from i was a shit athlete <laughs> terrible grades yeah acne small and <laughs> and you know my, my wife is not she's not bright so I don't know where it came from. It's like we both just look at him going like, Are you, did you fuck a better guy? <laughs> What's it like to be in love with a man? That's what it feels like. It really does. Because I don't. I love my daughters and it's different than the love I have for my wife, but I love them. I love them. Yeah. I can't, I don't know what it would be like to love a boy or love a man, like love a young man like that to go to want 
uh, like I know what it's like. Uh, like in a weird way, I'm protective of little girls. Yeah. Like I don't want them out in the world. I don't want other people talking to them. I don't want. It's like that's the. It's almost like that kind of love. What's it like to love something where you want it to go out and blossom and go like get the fuck out, man? Like fucking bang chicks and yeah and get and do cool shit. Like I know it's it a is different. A, it's a very different muscle. And uh, I would say I probably Instagram ten pictures of him for every one of my daughter. Really? Because I don't want protective. her. I don't want her out there. Yeah, it's totally true. And I feel like if she were, you know, what I know about him having sex will be very different. I will feel very different about it with my daughter, even at that age. Yeah. And it's it's something that I, I'm going to need to go on a journey where I get to a more comfortable place where I say I don't want to shame her sexually. Yeah. And you got to be honest, like most girls have sex. What? 16. Is that the age they start? I mean, I was late. I was 20, but um, yeah, I'd say 16 but, sounds. But eight, you were eight, blowing guys and stuff before that, right? No, no. Wow. Really? No, the the guy that I lost my virginity to is the first guy that I went down on. Damn. Really? Mm-hmm. How good do you think you were that first time? Mm, I'm going to say not that good. How much better have you gotten? <clears throat> well, the feedback... <laughs> clear your throat swallow <laughs> <laughs> the feedback i get is very good but in the same way <laughs> just well, so you know that's a lot like that's a lot like getting recognized <laughs> no one recognizes you and says you're horrible they go hey man let me work love you one love you one fucking <laughs> That, five I know. star Yelp review. Five star Yelp review. <laughs> that's what I. Well, that's what the I was about to say. It's been pretty good. <laughs> five star Gulp review. <laughs> oh my god, that's what I was about to say. Is that in the same way that like, oh my god, will it fit? Is bullshit. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I like to think I'm good, but I don't really know. I did have. There was one boyfriend who was always like, "Where did you learn to do that?" And I was like, "That is the weirdest question." And I almost felt. Like he was suggesting that I was slutty in the question. That's interesting. It was weird. Like I almost, it was like a compliment that made me feel like he wanted me to justify like where I learned to do this. Interesting. I said the first blowjob I ever got, uh, I said to her, I was freshman in college. And I said, that was amazing. And she goes, I get that a lot. And I was like, <laughs> oh, way to make me feel special. <laughs> My first blowjob was from a girl who was, um, she was sexually active in her teen years and she went at my penis like like a fat guy at an ihop (laughs) i mean she (laughs) set it up she set me up laid me back did a lot of rubbing first kissed around the air i mean this girl was 15 years old oh my god and i was like wow i mean that was my first blowjob i've i don't think i've had a, a sexual experience like that since it was so intense I was always so rushed and panicked to get into sex. Like, it was all, like, uh, my, my, I guess my analogy would be uh, a guy who wakes up 30 minutes before their landing and the waitress goes, did you want your meal? Like, that's how, <laughs> how I have sex. If we're doing food analogies. And so you're like, oh, fuck, quick, quick, quick. Is there a roll? Uh, I can see if I can get you one. Why? Are you afraid the food's going to be taken away? Yeah, yeah. And, I'm, and I don't last very long. And so I'm just always been rushed and like, I very seldomly, I, I think if I smoked pot or took a Xanax, I take my time with it. Mm. But but do you go multiple rounds? No. <laughs> wow. Leanne is a lucky woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
See, here's the thing. To give a good blowjob with all the bells. I don't think I'm going to need this advice. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you never know. You were asking about what it's like to love a man. Okay. To, to give a good blowjob like in in bed with all the like the hand and the mouth and the hand and the other hand and everything it's sort of an awkward position and it can be a little bit uncomfortable um but you don't want to half-ass it but still it can be like you get all of a sudden especially you get like a crick in your neck or whatever and it's just it's not the most comfortable position so since i'm super duper pregnant my husband has been giving me back rubs in bed this just started a few days ago um which is very nice however it felt so good. I felt both hands. And then all of a sudden, pretty quickly, I just felt one hand. And I'm like, "Are you? did you stop using both hands? And he's like, yeah, it's just a, it's a really awkward position for my wrist to be in if I use both hands. And I'm like, aha! <laughs> but see where... Oh, I is... thought he was jerking off while he was doing it. <laughs> but <laughs> see... <laughs> But are you just using one hand? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm really into rubbing your back. Some guys have a foot fetish. He has a back fetish. <laughs> But see, whereas I will muscle through and continue even though I'm uncomfortable, he was quick to just retire one hand. Right. Yeah. Now, you got to be like an accordion player. You got to work everything. Sing yeah. while both fingers are working. Right. But the thing is, if, if Bert and I ever give a blowjob, it's going to be because we're in prison and we're not going to want it to be good because we Cause don't, don't want, want that rap. Because I disagree. I'd want it to be fantastic so I could wrap it up quicker. I wouldn't want to do a bad job for longer. I'll do a good job for shorter. Does that make sense? I've already but thought But do you through. want a reputation in prison as the guy that gives the best blowjob? I'd say, hey, man, if you like these, I wouldn't be spreading around that I'm good at them. Oh. Just me and you. Right. Yeah. You really have thought this I've through. I've thought this through a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought this through a lot. I used to have, a, I used to have a, a bit I did on stage where I'd say to the guy in the front row, if five guys broke into our cell, we're cellmates, and they said, do you want anal sex or oral sex? Which one do you pick? And if he took longer than a second, I go, you're already taking way too long. <laughs> and he'd be like, well, I just say I don't want either. I go, oh, that's they'll pick that one. Guess who's getting fucked yeah. in the ass while I'm warming him up. <laughs> and then I was like, the next question was, if, if you could pick to be the starting pitcher and throw eight innings or the closer, John Rocker, and just throw one and take the load, which one would you pick? And he go, uh, I go, all right, you're Lucy in the Chocolate Factory because I'll be starting them all up and right. you'll be getting two at a time. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Hopefully I never give a blowjob. Yeah. I, just, all I, I don't know. I used to think about it. Like, I've done everything. I've had three ways. I've had the this, you know, two women and a guy. I've had the Kavanaugh three-way with a buddy yeah. several times. Really? And I uh, had a group sex, four-way, one. Like, I did it all. And then I thought, I should blow a guy. I just had a friend who said that to me this weekend. Because I feel like I love David Bowie and Mick Jagger and, and Iggy Pop. That, that whole thing that was happening yeah. in the early 70s. I thought, that's cool. They're experimenting. They're open. So I should try it. And I, and I really did have the intention of, if the situation came up, of doing it. But it just was never right, and now I feel like I'm too old. So wait, with this, these threesomes and foursomes that you had, w- where there was another guy, did you guys just keep on different sides of the bed? They put or up a curtain, you- like, like Mormons. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they draped a curtain over her torso. One tur- <laughs> they called it Domino. <laughs> yeah, she. We we. Uh, no, we just we stayed very far from each other. I yeah, see. there was no contact. Was she? Yeah. <laughs> We we purposely looked for a very tall. We went to the basketball team. Yeah, to find she was a woman in the WNBA. Yeah, right. Oh, 
My I, daughters saw me recently. Two guys kissed at a at the counter. We were at the counter eating burgers, yeah. and these two guys were ki- like just leaned over and started kissing. I didn't realize I was doing this, but I went ooh, yeah. and my daughters were like, "What's that about?" And I was like, "Oh, two guys are kissing." Oh. And they were like, "Dad, calm down. Like, what's wrong with you?" And I was like, "It just makes me feel gross." Yeah. And they're like, "It shouldn't." And I was like, "It, it does." And you're my kids. Don't fucking tell me how to feel. But like, that was my whole reaction growing up. If I saw guys holding hands or something, I was like, "Ooh." Yeah. Like I, it was an. It was almost like a gag reflex. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wow, is that like a hate crime? An involuntary hate crime I have? Yeah. But I is, can't... is that your, is it like your innate physical reaction or is it just you sort of learned that that is the response? I think it's, I probably, I'm sure it's got to be learned because I see, I've seen two dogs fuck before and not been like, Ugh, and I should be more <laughs> turned off by dogs fucking. Right. But uh, I guess it's just learned. I don't yeah, know. It's, I remember I... the very first time. It was a guy with, I remember the very, 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 very first time I ever saw uh, homosexuality. Mm-hmm. It was uh, on 2020, and it was a guy with his hand in another dude's back pocket. <laughs> and I was just went, oh, what's that? What the fuck? I was like, blew my mind that that could be a Have thing. Have you ever watched gay porn? Yeah, once for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought, because when I thought about the blowjob thing, I thought, all right, I will never know if I'm gay unless... I blow a guy, and then I thought, no, why don't I watch gay porn and see if I can masturbate to it? Oh, you, so, I'm sure you could. It, the, dudes blowing other dudes is you. You stop seeing the the face, yeah, and you just see the action getting done. You're like, these guys are pros. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hitting, hitting it like a fucking pencil sharpener. Right, just, right. Mm. And I, but I to get it done, I had to go to straight porn. I had two windows open. I had straight porn. Yeah. One was the Japanese hidden camera massage porn, which is my thing. Japanese hidden camera massage. I've never seen that. It's Greg you, believes it's real. Oh, no, no, no. Allison, it is real, and I will put my house against that. I would bet everything. I right. saw... Did you, have you, did you ever watch Backdoor Casting Couch? Oh, yeah. Uh, Backroom Casting Couch? I saw an outtake of someone saying no, and now I believe that's real. Yes, it was the it was almost better than the porn. Was watching a woman stand up for herself was so right. sexy. Right, right. She was like, she was like, how much money? He goes, well, no money. The directors, she's like, no, I'm not fucking you for no money. <laughs> and the guy's like, well, this is how the industry works. He goes, no, it's not how the fucking industry works. I'm in the industry and I'm not fucking you for no money. It's gonna be five thousand dollars. And he was like, uh, uh, uh. I've never seen that guy on his heels before. That guy sucks. He sounds like John Favreau. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I, could, yeah. I, I guarantee you I could I could tell that guy in a shower I could descri- I could find that guy yeah. like if he was in the shower I'd see his little hernia with his belly button <laughs> shaved stomach he does steroids on and off you can tell that he cycles because yeah. sometimes he's fat as fuck <laughs> and other times he's not he's yeah. yoked right yeah that, that I'd be interested to see that guy's face and it's the same lines every time yeah, we can okay. get you we can get you one to five thousand dollars yeah what is, I'm getting the gist but what's backdoor casting couch oh it's the greatest thing in porn. Back room, not back, back room. room. Back room, casting couch. Guy in Arizona, I'm, I've watched so many of them, I can pretty much it's tell Phoenix. you, it's Arizona, um, is in an office building, girls come in, and he tells them he's scouting uh, adult actresses. So he'll put an ad on like, we used to be Craigslist, but he puts ads places. And they come in, and he's basically like, uh, hey, beautiful, have you ever done any acting? Why you want to get into this? He, like Good like seven minute conversation of t- that he edits down, but it's, you can tell it's like a solid conversation. And then he's like, great. Uh, 
let me let me see your tits and they so then they show their tits and he's like awesome uh take now stand up turn around okay now drop your panties bend over and they do that and he's like all right now i want to see you play with yourself and they do that and then he goes but each level of this the excitement sexually is not knowing if she's going to do it and it's the ones that hesitate it's the that look draw in you eyes. in it's the, the look, look in, their, in their, eyes, their eyes where they're like okay like a double blink and then and then he and then he drops the hammer and he says all right so these casting directors are going to want to um they're going to know that you can that you're good on camera and that you can perform so right now i'm going to need you to suck my dick oh my God. and then you watch the girl go all right and that's the part where i that i that watching their eyes and their body reacts some girls are like okay like real <laughs> at it but the, some of them are like you ever blow in your dog's face yeah. That face your dog makes when you blow air in his face, it's like that. It's like they were hit by just the 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 transition that they know they need to make right now or not yeah. make. It's and, a yeah. fight or flight response. And this is what turns you on? I don't it's you know what it is? And my I've I've done a lot of thinking about this. <laughs> I think I've seen so much fakeness, so many girls detached in porn. Yeah. That to see the humanity in a person during sex, which is what you have with your partner. You see the person, to see a person in the act. Right. That's what sexy is like. Oh, you've, that's made, a, you've made porn beautiful. Yeah, it's it. Well, then it gets dirty. It's like, all right, now I'm gonna need to fuck you in the ass. Oh, and really? Every yeah, single one yeah. of them do it. Right. And and it's like the, every single one. It's like their first time. Yeah. And you're just and it's the same t- desk, same camera shots. You will, f- but there is definitely shame involved at the end. After after you finish, you feel bad. Yeah. Whereas Japanese lesbian hidden camera massage porn. <laughs> It is a woman who comes in, and I think they just put like a sign on the street, massage. Yeah. And then Japanese women come in, and they uh, they it's a regular massage room, and they tell them to take off their clothes. They lay down face down, and they start working. They do a, you know the regular massage until they get to the buttocks area, and then they start working the inner thigh. And then there's a grazing. There's a grazing of the lip, slight, for a while, and then on the other side a grazing. Just to where the woman, and the best part is they keep a camera on the woman's face. There's like four hidden cameras and one angle is the face. I've got, I've got that's the angle that. you want because that's where you see the eyes go wide. Well, they're Japanese. So. Uh, the eyes go wide and the eyeballs start to look up and down. There's all these subtle moves. Meryl Streep could not play the subtle transition from innocence to getting turned on yeah. that you see in this. And by the end, I, w- I won't ruin the ending, but it gets very fucking intense. That's the that's what that's why we like reality television is those things that an actor couldn't capture in those voyeuristic porns. You see things. That's why like I get pissed off when I see like a girl pays her cab bill by blowing the driver. I'm like that's not real. Yeah. None of that's real. Something real is just like holy shit. Yeah, right. Right. And I don't feel guilty at the end because the woman is brought to climax in a way that's beautiful and it's like she was going to get her body rubbed anyway she was yeah. brought to a new place for many of them you're guessing it was their first lesbian experience and then they shower in the room afterwards it's like a little shower stall really? and then they bow to each other there's a bowing oh, i love that the culture is still there yeah <laughs> so ceremonious is she brought to orgasm with hands or machines or mouth wait yep. what machines they bring vibrators out okay they bring her a, a, a vacuum a cleaner. <laughs> and then she's a woman, so she sees a vacuum cleaner and has an orgasm. <laughs> they dust her. There's one porn star. I'm going to I'm gonna find her name. 
her name's something peach uh she is the most beautiful woman i've ever seen in my life really without a doubt one of the most gorgeous women i've ever seen in my life and for the life of me i can't understand what happened to her to get her in porn yeah like i just you know, and you only see them like naked, so you don't know what kind of clothes they put on. You know how you like you ever like meet someone and you're like, yeah, they're good looking, but look what they're wearing. Like that's who they are. Mm, like yeah. look at his, look at her shoes. There was this beautiful girl that I worked with one time, and she just had the ugliest goddamn shoes, <laughs> and there were only a pair of shoes, and you couldn't look past that. And you, everyone, I mean, ga- directors were like, she's beautiful, but did you see her shoes? Yeah. And what the idea what was that going she, on with these shoes? They weren't cool. They were like, <laughs> imagine. <laughs> I mean, they were like the ugliest shoes. Are they like nurse shoes? No, they were. No, they were. They were. I, I don't want to describe them too much because she might know who she is, mm-hmm. and she might go, "Wait, those are my cool shoes." <laughs> but they were like red high tops with like not like wings coming off them, but yeah. like just really ugly. She wore them everywhere, and I don't. I think, and no one could get past the decision making process in that person's <laughs> brain to put on those shoes. Then affected the way we saw that person. Mm-hmm. See, I I feel the opposite. I always looked for the girl that had the mullet. Or who had a, a, a you know an eye that wandered because okay. I felt like that's my in. Okay, okay, like the like there was a girl in high school who's gorgeous, gorgeous, but her thighs were the same size as her ankles, and I was like, okay, I Wait, can look past big that. ankles or small thighs. Uh, massive ankles. <laughs> oh, really? Ankles, no thigh ankles. No one complains about small thighs. Oh, no. Well, if they were exactly the same as our ankles, that's really. It's small. an overstatement, but they were massive kangles, and I started dating her, and then and then inevitably you're like, I can see past that, but then your friends wouldn't let you see past that. Oh, like, that sucks. They'd be like, Oh yeah, I heard she was playing basketball, stepped on a basketball, it didn't hurt at all, and you were like, Oh come on, guys. And they're like, No, seriously. Have you played soccer with her? She kicks the ball far as fuck. <laughs> That's the that's the thing that hopefully like when they talk about getting rid of masculine toxicity, masculine tox toxicity, masculine toxicity, toxic masculinity. Toxic, that's it. Um, that's the thing that I hope they get rid of is like uh, is like all the things that like guys like people will always go, oh m- m- boys are horrible. You, they didn't grow up with them. I did. Like I grew up with boys and men and. It was fuck. There were times where you're like, motherfucker, this is my people. Oh, every yeah. girl that was in our friend group growing up that was like dateable, there was always some one girl they called the twitch because she had like a slight twitch, but that made her like undateable. Like yep. they all had one little thing. Dirt, dirt. What's that? Dirt, dirt. What's that? The girl that was dirty. <laughs> just like, just always oh. had like pimples and greasy. And yeah. now you're dating dirt, dirt. <laughs> Oh, Aww. I have a joke where I call my daughter dirt dirt. <laughs> no, because she got she got ringworm. <laughs> and I said to my oldest daughter, I "Go, hey Georgia, stay away from dirt dirt over here. <laughs> she got fucking ringworm." <laughs> so you're the guy. You're yeah. the friend. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely, I was a friend. The friend, by the way, for the record, is the one who's not getting any pussy. That's right. And wants to sabotage everyone else's right. pussy. So yes, I was that guy. Well, yes. maybe that's the move. As your girls get older, you hang around with their friends oh. or the guys and just call her dirt dirt. I was insufferable. Like there was a girl that came in and she had a very beautiful dress on to go out. And it just happened to have navy blue pinstripes, right? And as she walked in the door, I saw them and I go, ladies and gentlemen, batting fourth for the New York Yankees. <laughs> and she started crying and left. I know. Yeah. And my buddy was dating her and he was like, 
seriously? I was like, I couldn't. I couldn't leave that one on the table. It was it was right over the center of the plate. I had it out of the park. Yeah, I was I was not I was not the best uh, guy. Yeah. In in like retrospect, I mean, I didn't like sexually harass anyone or sexually assault anyone, but I just I definitely bullied people. Yeah. And with my sense of humor of, of like, they, you know, so you didn't know way, have a way to like kind of show your sense of humor. It's like, it's like, uh, I was talking to Stanhope about it. The kind of guys who would get naked at a party and jump in the pool. Yeah. Definitely me. Right. Definitely me. I which, which now you would be, you'd, you'd be under Megan's law. You'd oh, have to be knocking on doors the rest of your life. A hundred percent. That was like, uh, that was like, that was a, that was a style of sense of, of personality yeah. back then as all. Well. Yeah, because I had friends who their thing was always getting naked at parties. Are they, Do people still do that? I haven't no, been to a party can't. in a That's long time. Yeah. We used to do a thing, me and, you know, Tom Cotter? Yeah. Me and Cotter and another guy up in Boston, uh, Rich Seisler, we used to go to parties and the bet was who could hang ball. what do you call it, hanging balls? Hanging brains. Who could hang <laughs> brains longer at the party? And so, like, we'd keep eye contact with people so they wouldn't look down, and yeah. you'd be fucking howling because you'd be looking at a friend talking to somebody three inches away from them with oh. their hairy balls hanging out. <laughs> there are so many pictures that I took on Cowhead's cruise one year of people that wanted pictures, and I just would have my balls out the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> Ari gets naked still on stage; just gets naked and goes out on stage. Ari does a hundred percent. No shit. He did that. I did a call and sick to work show for the All Things Comedy Festival. And Ari walked out completely naked, and he's got a big dick. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think people mind when it's a big dick. Yeah. I think it's a small dick that makes them feel assaulted. Well, because Bobby Lee goes on naked too, right? And he has a Bobby small Lee dick. did fucking Comedy Central naked. He took his dick out on stage at Comedy Central. I've never laughed so hard in my fucking life. Wow. But once again, it's one of those things. Like, there's two types of people. There, there are guys that get naked at parties, and then there are guys that hate guys that get naked at parties. Yeah. And the guys that get naked at parties. We all, I, but one of them, we always found it hilarious. Because I think in defense of us, there's a certain guy that's so egregiously offended by guys who take their dicks out. It's not the women we were ever looking at. We were looking at the guys that were like, what the fuck? <laughs> and you're like, what, does it scare you? Like, you is it not, yeah, is that your first right. dick you've ever seen? Yeah. I think that's what we look at. We never looked at the girls. I don't think any girl ever. Were you ever at a party where a guy got naked? I'm sure. I'm sure I have been. Didn't phase you? Not really. Isn't that weird that if a girl did it, it would be like, Tiddling. she's a whore or yeah. like, whoa, look at those tits. But when a guy does it, it's immediate comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Not, not obviously not if he exposes himself to a woman privately, but at a party. If he no, did, yeah. right. It's always like, oh, he's crazy doing that. Getting yeah. naked again. Chelsea Handler's done it really? when I'm around. She'll, she'll pop a tit out. But they're beautiful. Oh, yeah. I would like to hang out with her more then. <laughs> yeah. Like pop a tit out in the hanging brains way where just all of a sudden it's out or she makes a show of it. Somewhere in the middle. You know, it's like it's presented in a way that like she just looks at you like, I don't give a shit. (laughs) I think that's awesome. There's nothing bad I can say about that. Yeah. I just watched her uh, do a cooking show out of her house where she had a joint in her hand the whole time. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I called her a cunt on my special. You but did di- not, and not like not directly, but I just was like, my daughter was saying the word "cunt" like she had just got done working with Chelsea Handler, 
and and uh, I just I've never heard like it's just a lot of people she's worked with have said really nasty things about her. Yeah, and so it's just I've never even met Chelsea Handler, but I just thought it was it was a funny joke. I was looking for a woman's name yeah. that I thought could take a joke, or at least I wouldn't have to be into a fight with. I was like Chelsea, I think could give two fucks, right? Um, but I I I now I always regret it because I was I really like her and I like her stand up and I always liked her as a person. Uh, just as like an outsider and so I'm sure one day someone's gonna be like you know this guy Burt Kreischer called you a cunt and they're not gonna explain the nuance to her and she's gonna be like fuck him the nuance the of nuance. your cunt joke <laughs> <laughs> why is that so offensive to call a woman a cunt I think it's sexy you do a hundred percent I think I'm more attracted to a cunty woman personally mm. my wife's a cunt we got into a fight at, at <laughs> Gelson's today what was the fight in about in Gelson's uh, she was I didn't realize that I had to go to Levity yesterday to sell cookies with my daughters. Girl Scout cookies. You and went to your management company to sell. Oh, to yeah, sell to the because yeah, they have to buy them. Yeah, they spend. <laughs> they're they taking ten percent of yeah, your money. They spend like two thousand dollars on cookies. No, so the girls clean up right. So yesterday I haven't been home for a month, and so I was like, yesterday I was like, I'm gonna go with the girls and I'll do it with them, and then they'll probably sell move more merch because I'm with them and I know how to sell merch. So. <laughs> We're doing, as soon as we get there, I realize I don't remember everyone's name. Uh-oh. And now this is turning into a little bit of anxiety for me, but I didn't realize that. All my daughters and wife saw is that I got anxious and I started maybe talking louder or whatever. I was quick. Come on. Hey, come on. Let's go. Let's go. You know, I don't know what I was doing, but my wife was reacting to that. And I was just simply br- blaming my wife for being a bitch and when it was in fact me doing it. And then we went to the movies and I got into an argument with my youngest daughter who I felt was trying to hijacked the even like it was just a it spiraled out and then this morning we got into another fight and she was trying to explain to me why the fight was and i wasn't allowing her and then when i realized that it was my fault like and i tried to say i was sorry she had already been beat up so much that she wasn't done with me and i i told her the analogy you ever seen a guy on the ropes that is unconscious but the but he's still standing and taking punches. I go. That's how I feel right now. I feel like I'm being assaulted by you. That blew up in the fucking middle of Gelson's, and some <laughs> old lady got mad at us because we were standing in front of something oh, and we were geez. clearly having a fight in Gelson's. But like not a fight, fight. Yeah. Like, but just a tension. Yeah. You and, were venting some tension at each other. Yeah. Do you know the the Girl Scout cookie? Because it's see it's that season again now. Yep. And I was I was thinking about this like. You when you see these girls will set up a table fucking anywhere now, mm-hmm. and you see them and you feel a little bit guilty, and you also feel like I'm a really good guy if I buy these cookies. Yeah. And then the same person will walk through the parking lot at Ralph's, and a black kid will come up with a box of Snickers and be like, "Hey, will you help my basketball team?" And you're like, "That's the- a fucking scam." <laughs> Leave me the fuck alone. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then you see the Girl Scout get into her dad's BMW to drive home in the pocket <laughs> full of cash. A, that's a really interesting insight. Yeah. Yeah, because whenever those kids are selling candy bars, I'm always just like, guys, I'm good. But I'm never in the mood. Like, a candy bar is a purchase that you eat immediately. Girl yeah. Scout cookies are something you take home. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, also, if the kid selling the Snickers bar is fat, you're like, hey, don't get high on your own supply there, Junior. <laughs> and, you, and I'm not buying it. You're not playing basketball. <laughs> Did you ever see Mike Epps' bit about selling candy bars? No. Uh, it, it was fucking genius. It was about how how um how america turns you into a thug you start off as a good young kid just trying to sell candy bars and he would do mike epps has such a genius way of like representing his body to show his age 
Like, and he just was like, stand there and he'd be like, good morning, man. Like, and he'd do his spiel. And it was a spiel. Clearly, he had sold candy bars. He had definitely sold candy bars. And then the door gets slammed in his face. And the next one's like, man, 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 man. And the next one is like, and then finally he's like, bitch, on the fucking ground. On the fucking ground. Where do you keep your money? I'm selling candy bars. Where do you keep your money? Fuck, fuck candy bar. Killer. No, it was, it was fucking genius. Yeah. But how do you feel about the fact that the parents are selling the cookies? Because I don't mean to be like a real nerd about this, no. but I feel it because I was a brownie and I went door to door. Not that I feel like I learned a lot from it, but that's definitely how it was done. And now it's just parents sending emails out like we have cookies buy them, you know, um, I, we haven't done. We, yeah, we've done that. I I feel like it's incumbent on the parents now to sell them for the kids. Yeah, hundred oh, percent. Yeah. If you left it up to my daughters, they would not have sold one. Mm-hmm. And the like, whole point is supposed to be teaching them life skills. The cookies thing is a little bit like a lot of parents don't like the cookie thing. Like a lot, Leanne is extremely active in the Girl Scouts, and the Girl Scouts is an amazing organization. But that cookie thing is a little bit of a throwback to the old Girl Scouts, mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I think it's I think it's run its course. I, I don't think it's ever going to leave because I think people, Americans, have their heart connected to Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> I mean, it's like everyone knows their favorite Girl Scout cookie. I also think, from what I've read, they get a really slim cut of the profits. Yeah, a dollar for every box, and they sell the box for $5. Where That's does it shit. go? To the Girl Scout? Well, it goes to the Girl Scouts. It goes to the, the making of the cookies. And then, I guess, the girls get $1 for their troop. And so... Oh, so it doesn't go to the National Kitty. It goes to their own... Local troop. They get one dollar, I think, per box goes to their 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 personal troop. Right. And then they decide what they want to do with their Girl Scout money. And I think my oldest daughter I think they're going to like New York. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. but she's like she's fifteen fourteen and still in Girl Scouts and she's been a gamer. Like but my wife it's my wife. My wife had a shitty childhood. I don't no one tell her I said this, but like my wife had a shitty childhood and was someone who would have wanted to go to Girl Scouts and her mom was just not there. And so this is my wife reliving her past. Yeah. Like if your dad was an alcoholic and now you're coaching baseball and a little bit over overcompensating for what you didn't have, that is my wife wholeheartedly. Right. See, when I found out that I was having a boy with my first, I grie- grieved is too strong, but I was a little bit disappointed because I had all these things in my mind planned to redo with my daughter that like I felt like in my own life, you know, like, yeah. oh, I can't wait to help her when she gets her period. I can't wait to help her with her wedding and all these things that I feel like were a little bit botched in my own childhood. Oh, yeah. And then I then I realized like, well, that's not the point of me having a kid isn't to heal myself. But still, there is a bunch of stuff that I like. I don't know how to go down having a boy. Like I really we've talked. So we have a parenting podcast. Yeah. It's loosely based on parenting. It's called Childish. A lot of people love it who don't have kids. So I don't want to call it a parenting podcast like you have to have kids. But we talk about our lives and we talk about our kids. Um, and one of the things we talk about. Oh, my God. I totally lost my train of thought. Well, I tell you the first. because e- I'm so pregnant. I can't think. First anymore. episode we came out. We came out swinging with uh, Allison talking about getting pregnancy orgasm in my while sleep she sleeps i had it with what? both pregnancies yeah i don't i haven't been having them lately i think it's like an early pregnancy thing but i will be i will have an orgasm in my sleep and then i kind of like wake up right as it's like ending and it must be hormonal or it's like the pressure on the the parts i don't know what it is but it's one of the perks yeah and then greg was like oh and then do you roll over and like put a move on your husband i'm like no i'm done <laughs> oh my god you know how much that would suck 
It's like they're stealing the fucking jewels before Indy gets there. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Fuck. I wonder, maybe the baby's like reaching down. Like, is there a way? Is this the doorbell? Yeah. Is this the doorbell? <laughs> is anyone in here? He found, it, he found, he found the G-spot. That is actually... Daniel never could. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. I was going to save this for our show, but I'll tell you here because I've, I've been meaning wow. to tell Greg. We got the scoop. So... We were talking, let me just, let me backtrack and say what I was going to say is that one of the things that we've talked about on Childish is as a mom, I don't know how to handle when my son or sons soon go through puberty. Like that is totally foreign thing to me. Yeah. I think I just should be real hands off and knock before entering. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was gonna say before. But um, so we were talking about spanking your kids, Mm -hmm. which we are both very against and my wife spanked Ilo once for what uh Ilo <laughs> I dare I say she deserved it Ilo was jumping on the couch at the lake house which we don't own the couches uh, my wife's aunts do or did at the time they're both alive and she was wet she had had been in the lake and they would asked her to do, stop doing it she would kept doing it kept jumping up kept jumping out and then Isla Leanne said, Isla, do that one more time and I'm going to give you a spanking. And Isla got off the couch, turned around, looked at the couch and spit on it. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. And literally <laughs> played the hand like, I want to see you spank me, bitch. And because my wife's whole family who's redneck, they got hit with switches. They all were like, now you got to hit her. And Leanne took her into the bedroom, gave her a spanking. It's the only time Isla's, Isla got hit by my dad too. Both for spitting, oddly enough. The one with my dad was... Uh, you remember the game? Uh, you're gonna have a. I mean, I can tell you your fortune. Mm. Right. You have a big house. You're gonna have a. The, you're gonna have a swimming pool, and you spit the guy's palm. Yeah. <laughs> I had done that to Isla in front of her friends, and they all laughed. And then she came on up to my dad and goes, "Papa, can I tell you? Can I read your fortune?" And he's like, "Of course, honey." She just goes up and spits in his hand. <laughs> she didn't even do the joke. She was going. <laughs> my dad's like, "What the fuck?" And just smacked her on the ass. But yeah. So you said you didn't. Yeah. So we're it. we're both against spanking, and we had done this news story on the show that I forget the statistic now, but spanking is is like a lot more common across the country than we realized. Really? Oh, like seventy percent of the country believes in spanking. No. Yes. I would think ever since the Adrian Peterson thing, thirty percent of the country spanks. No. Nope. It was surprising. It was surprising. So someone, so we were kind of aghast at this. And then someone emailed us, childishpod at gmail.com, um, to, to say that he spanks his kids sometimes and get, he gave an explanation of it. So we were talking about this email. Um, and I feel like we were being a little bit judgmental about it because we have strong feelings about yeah. this. But then Greg out of the blues, like, have, has your husband ever spanked you? And so I said yes. And then we started talking about that and how like i feel like for most women that's a turn on she loves it allison loves that it. is i feel like this has gotten really blown out of proportion my wife loves it most women are in into that kind of stuff my wife likes it yeah not hard right right so most women are into it but then it like then you're like something about like has he ever like bent you over his knee and like said you're a bad girl and stuff? And I said, no. And then I said, but I wouldn't be opposed to that. I feel like this has taken on a life of its own in terms of like, so anyway, here's the thing. My, I'm a very like way too open person. My husband is a very private person. Oh. He doesn't, he so far, I don't think he listens to childish, yeah. which I feel like I'm in this weird, like uncomfortable pocket of, 
I'm not sure, but I don't think so. And I'm just going with it <laughs> because yeah. I can't, when Greg and I get together, like we just talk about everything. I can't help myself, but be total. I'm just, this is who I am. So every time I talk about that stuff, I think like, I don't think he would love that I'm broadcasting this, but, but oh well. So anyway, my son is obsessed with his iPhone, not his iPhone, with, with iPhones yeah. in general. And we sort of, we used to try not to let him have it, but now we let him have it sometimes, which is another thing we talk about on the show, like how to put boundaries around that. So he is holding the phone and my husband is watching him and I hear him playing childish. No. Yes. Oh my God. And oh, I shit. hear, I hear us talking about an email and I'm like, Oh fuck. This is the most because it would make sense that he's not that nimble with iTunes or whatever. Yeah. Like he's listening to the most recent episode. We're talking about the email. It's like the it's like the bomb's going to go off and it's counting down. I'm like, I have a very limited amount of time to get there before this turns into the spanking of adult conversation. So and I know that I can't grab the phone from him. He'll freak out. And my husband will be like. You know, so I'm like trying to get the phone from him without my husband realizing what's going on. Please tell me this just ends in you beating the shit out of your son. <laughs> yeah, I guess I was wrong. So anyway, my husband. I was no. finally tested. Yeah. yeah. My husband's changing his diaper and he's still playing it. And so I, I acted like a, like it makes me like a lunatic. Like I came in and I'm like, oh, I have a text. <laughs> like, let me just check that. And so. While my son's like trying to get the phone away from me, I'm pretending that I'm trying to, to check a text, but instead I just am trying to change what he's listening to. Oh. And then I did, I managed, and then I, he changed it back, but then I managed to change it back. So I still don't think my You accidentally changed it. it to the Burt's podcast and talking about <laughs> fucking a guy in prison. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Would you take his load or start the, start the load for him? Right. <laughs> so that was a real close well, call. What, so what do you what do you think about spanking kids? I'm no, I'm against it. I didn't like it though. I, it was just humiliation for me. I didn't, exactly. It didn't hurt. It was just humiliation. I didn't, I didn't and like. And it's like a betrayal. That. It's it's the yeah. person that you need to trust the most, actively trying to hurt you, which is a like, weird thing to wrap your head around. And I felt like it never really taught me how to deal with, with uh, with conflict. Yeah. Like it just was like, oh, this is over. I'm going to hit you for this. Did it makes you? The but you antagonist. Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying it makes the it turns it turns the relationship into one of antagonism. Yeah. And you know, you're not like on the same team trying to work through a problem anymore. My biggest thing that I didn't do that my parents did that I didn't realize was bad was predict failure. My dad would predict failure all the time. Yeah. Like he would go, do that. You're gonna cut your fucking hand. And then I'd cut my hand and I'd learn always that my instincts are wrong. And his were, were right. Mm. And I did that. I started doing that to Georgia. And my wife's like, do not predict her failure. Stop the failure. Help her learn. That was the biggest thing. I cut my hand so bad with a fucking knife one time. And my dad watched me do it. He knew I was going to do it. I had an orange in my hand. And I was cutting through it. And my guy goes, you're going to cut your hand. I said, no, I'm not. And he goes, okay, keep going. And he let me cut my fucking hand How open. How old were you? Uh, 27. <laughs> no, I was, I was probably 10 years old mm. and I was, and I, we had just moved into our new house and I just cut, sliced my hand open. I was like, why would you let me do that? And he goes, yeah. I told you. Yeah. But that was my, that was the way my dad parented was like, keep going. See what's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to like this. We got the, we would fuck up and then my mom would smack us. She was fuck. She was like Leon Spinks. 
she was fast. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, was that a good choice of boxers for fast? That was really good, I think, okay. in my opinion. Yeah. And so um, she'd smack us, and then she'd say, "It was the classic wait till your father gets home," which is even worse than the beating. You get beat would, twice for it. We would get sent to our room where we would sit, and don't forget, back then there's no cell phones. We had no TV. You were sitting in a fucking prison cell, like first forty-eight, six, seven hours, and. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad didn't come home till late. He was out drinking till, you know, one in the morning. So like, wake you up. Uh, and then he would geez. come in and beat you. With his open palm or... Like, Sometimes drop your pants, take his belt off, whip geez. you. And it was crazy. And uh, and so I used to do a joke about like, you know, my father beat me, but, you know, not too much. I think he beat me just right. I remember the last time he beat the shit out of me, just getting up off the ground and thinking perfect <laughs> he really nailed it any more would have been barbaric and any less i wouldn't be out trying to make drunks laugh every night <laughs> i only got spanked a couple times i didn't get spanked a lot my dad wasn't like a hitter yeah um but not to like cri- criticize my dad but my mom my mom was always on my team like she was always like oh she could always find the right in what I, I think my mom was a little detached too but my dad um he was never wrong i always had to apologize so like i mean to this day i think it's why i'm good at apologizing but it also it's why i don't have a lot of firm viewpoints like people always get upset i don't state my politics on my podcast i really don't know my politics because my dad never allowed me a place to land with my opinion right like the when the gulf war started i walked in and i was and my dad was watching it on tv and i was like oh i can't believe you're watching this this is what's wrong with this country we need to protest this war we got to get our troops out of there we need to bring them back home i don't want any americans dying i was i think i was 17 years old my dad goes you're a fucking idiot go to your room until you realize why you're not a fucking idiot and really? i went oh yeah i went to my room and then i was like i was like i have my opinions and i go clearly they're wrong and i was mm-hmm. like all right what are the right ones i was like clearly they're his Okay. And I was like, all right, I don't have the answer to this. So I walked down and I was like, okay, I don't know why I'm an idiot. And he was like, this is the first time we're getting to see a war ever in my generation of where we can, we're watching them invade. Currently we're watching them invade. He goes, Saddam Hussein's an animal and what he's doing to his people is absolute genocide and we need to stop it. And so you need to shut the fuck up with your war protest. You don't know what you're talking about and sit down with me and watch us invade Iraq. And I went, okay. And so then I was like, I don't know. I think always I've been like that. Was like, he a soldier? No, but my dad's very, 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 very liberal. Uh, like beyond liberal, like to the, to this day. But not an idiot. Does that make sense? Right. Like he just is. Like he, like I remember when I'd say faggot as a kid, he'd be like, "What are you? Are you afraid you're gay?" And I'd be like, no, dad, that's what you call him. He goes, nah, that's not what you call anybody. He goes, unless, you, unless you're worried that you're gay, then don't say that. Like, is that, if you're gay, if you're f- afraid that you're gay, then yeah, let yourself vent that way until you find <laughs> out you're gay. And I was like, I'm not gay, dad. And he's like, then stop saying it. Is that the time he made you watch 40, 45 minutes of gay porn? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, my dad's a really interesting guy. Very smart, very humble. Was that weird, though, to be in Florida and be a liberal? Were you surrounded by conservatives? It still is. It still is. Like, his best friend's voted for Trump and my dad is not a Trump supporter. But but my dad's also uh my dad's motto in life was eat shit cash checks. 
<laughs> so he was like, his dad died when he was 13 Pragmatic. and he was left to his own devices at 13, had to find a way to go to college, went on a track scholarship, had to find a way to go to high school, went on a track scholarship and just like has always provided for himself. And so he didn't have the luxury of having an opinion, didn't have the luxury of like, of like, of like stirring the waters and being like a contrarian. Yeah. He was just go with the flow, but I know I know where I stand. Yeah, and so yeah, he. I mean, because being... my mom lives in Florida, and she's she's a liberal. Yeah, and she's surrounded by you know she lives in one of these big buildings in Florida. It's not an old folks home, but everybody's old. Yeah, and they're all. I mean, I I think that old people, especially when they go down and they live in a community, start to shift to the right. Mm. Really, I don't know what it is, but I think they start to look at the world as. More of a scary place that needs more like uh, military presence and more conservative values, and I don't know what it is, but she, when she has a really hard time with it, she just holds her tongue all the time. And then all my aunts and uncles, like it's weird because we grew up Irish, and there was Kennedy, there was Camelot, there was this moment where Irish Catholics really embraced the civil rights movement, and they were on the right side of a lot of things, and then all of a sudden it's shifted. And I mean, you look at Trump, all of his, all of his guys are Irish. Really? Yeah. And you know, Flynn and all these guys. And, and there's a, there's a big outcry among liberal Irish of like, what happened to us? We've gone so far to the right. It's so interesting you say that because my whole family in Philadelphia is all, my mom, my everyone was liberal Irish, Kennedys. Uh, and now when I go and drink beer, when I do, if I ever do helium and I drink beer with them in my Nana's garage, they're not liberal anymore. No, no. <laughs> they're not. I think at all. it's because I think that the social issues like abortion and gay marriage, all that stuff, got kind of co-opted by the right, and they dragged all the Catholics with them. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I would say I'm liberal, but I think what's happened with politics now is that it's it's not just good enough to be liberal. You got to be lunatic I liberal. Know, I know. Like you can't just be liberal and open-minded because if you say the wrong things, you were Liam Neeson said. Who? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus. That was crazy. What Why was it? He said that it? he said that a friend oh. of his was raped by a black guy. So he was looking for a black guy to kill. Yeah. He was looking. Yeah. I, I think I, just, I mean, how do how, how old is he? Who the fuck says that in an interview? And then he tried to justify it by going, well, I'm from Northern Ireland. And, you know, my friends were killed in the, oh. died in a hunger strike. It's like, what does that have to do with wanting to kill black people? Oh, who does, says that in a fucking yeah, interview? that's the part that I can't get is like, why did you, no one dug up this story. Like, why did you decide <laughs> to share this? It. Did and he made that, it this far. Yeah. He made it this <laughs> many years without saying something so stupid. So far. He's like 70 years yeah, old. And this is like a long time he's ago. He's 66, yeah. and he's like, and they're like, Liam, you've, you, you have no sexual harassment. You're clean. Right. Yeah. Your wife passed away unexpectedly. We're all on your side. He's like, did I tell you about the time I tried to kill a black man? <laughs> no, no, just because of his skin color. And not black one man. black man, any black man any black, came by. for the skin color. <laughs> oh, fuck. So I'm, I'm dying to know about the ski trip. Tell oh, me the about the ski trip was fucking awesome. So it was you and Ari and who me, else? Me, Ari, uh, Steve Renazizi, uh, Sean Patton, and Mark Normand. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's do you know it's it's uh, you forget how quick comedians are. 
Yeah. Until you spend time with them. Once you spend time with them, you're like, oh, that's right. Everyone's like quick as shit. And the and to it really made me jealous that I don't spend more time with comedians because and not just at the store, I meant like legit trips because you would take one premise and whittle it into the fucking most fucked up thing that only we found funny. Yeah. And but it was hilarious to us. I, it was it was a really great uh, ski trip, to be honest with you. Aria Good is skiing. Most, Great skiing. Aria is disgusting. Like one of the jokes we were making is, and this I felt bad about this. I hope it, it didn't come out bad. But we were saying if you could, uh, if uh, I, if you could describe yourself as a skier, as one comedian, like your skiing style as a comedian style, who would it be? And Mark Norman's like Ellen DeGeneres. I should have quit while I was ahead. <laughs> and then uh, and then someone said, I forget what someone else said. And then I said, Aria, you're Josh Blue. It's, it, you would do it really good, but it doesn't look like it should be pretty. <laughs> and then, uh, but yeah, but it was, uh, it was just, it was great to then take like a premise, like, and just go, hey, we're going to throw this premise up in the air and all day, let's just play with it. Like we were naming ski slopes, the way they name like, ooh, this is, uh, and like, hey, if you guys, like we just say it to each other, should we do glory hole real quick? <laughs> and just, it was, it was fun as fuck. Yeah. More of that, more of that needs to happen where, and then not in a competitive manner where it's like, you're at a festival. It's just like where there was like a comedic retreat right, right. where you could wake up in the morning with a premise and just watch each other kind of each bat it around yeah. and make each other laugh. And then out of nowhere, bring it up, you know, and two hours later and just fucking fall out laughing. Yeah, I do this. Uh, these, these comedians get together sometimes and play golf. And it's like that on the golf course. It's yeah. just like we can. Yeah, some, somehow it was a Holocaust theme <laughs> and it, it was about Anne Frank. And, you know, and it's just the things that you can't say in front of anybody else, except sometimes when you play, like the course we played, it has fivesomes yeah. and there were like, there were like 16 of us. So each group had like a foursome and then they'd add a player who was not a comedian who just showed up to the course oh, you <laughs> and could, they're hearing yeah. us do Anne Frank jokes. Oh, and this one guy just went at one point, guys, this is wrong. <laughs> yeah, oh. do, you, do you know what, you know, what's crazy, absolutely insane about this is inevitably we would end up skiing. We get there at like ten. We'd ski till noon, and then we'd stop and get a beer at one of the places. And we would spend two hours deconstructing a comedian, like deconstructing his act, deconstructing his touring. We would tear apart someone special. We would just wow. just comedians talking shit. Yeah. And I mean, there was like, I'm not even joking. At least five times. Where we should be, like, look at how beautiful this is, but we couldn't help it. We were just at the back table at the cellar, just fucking whittling apart yeah. some sort of something about someone. Yeah. We're telling one story over and over again, or we're telling our favorite jokes. Um, and it was it was absolutely fucking phenomenal. I could have done it for three days. I was there for five, and that five was long. I was yeah, there, that's a lot. I got there Monday. I was there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, left Sunday. So there's six days, seven days. And then, wait, so you... Oh, hang on one second, guys. I'm sorry, Leanne. What's up? You just came in for no reason at all? I didn't come in for no reason at all. I would never do that. Oh, what's going on? I'm just going to talk to you about Captera. Ooh, I know what Captera is. Captera is a leading online software support system for new businesses. You're right. How'd you know that? I know a lot about Capterra. I think it's awesome is that if you have a business right now and you're looking for software to help you run your business like we are. Yeah. Like a lot of people who has have businesses online. Capterra is fucking murdering it. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They've got over 700 
700,000 uh, reviews of products from real software users. Um, you can discover everything you need to make an informed decision. This isn't the 1990s. No, it's not. This is the 2000s. The What's it called when you call it the 2000s? The 2019s? Something I don't know. Like <laughs> it's the 2019s. If you got a business and you're looking for software and you're like, whoa, shit, how do I help out? Capterra is the place. Yes, it is the leading free online resource to help you find the best software solution for your business. You can search more than 700 specific categories of software, everything from project management to email marketing to yoga studio management software. This is amazing. It really is. It really is. Right? If you're trying to start a business and you're like, I'm lost. Well, this is the place you go to to find the thing you need to help take you to the next level. And you can find it really fast. Because it's there's 700 options here. I mean, it's like one-stop shopping. It's one-stop shopping to take your business to the next level. So visit Capitera.com slash Burt for free today to find the right tools to make your 2019 the year to start your business. Trust me when I say that. There's nothing better than having the year that your business started. And you can do that today by going to Capitera.com slash Burt. That's Capitera.com slash Burt. Capitera, C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A.com slash Burt. Let's get shit moving this year. Totally. Right? Yep. Hey, baby, I need you to leave. I'm going to finish up this podcast. Oh, whatever, dude. All right, guys, I'm so sorry that Leanne didn't speak to you and just left. All right. I love you, babe. I love you, babe. Anyway, Greg, you were saying. You do a week at the Comedy Works before the trip, and then Ari does the week after? No, no. Steve Renazizi does the week before. Oh. Ari does the week after. Okay. I did. Um, I was on tour and just left there. I'd been gone for like almost a month and then left from the tour to go to this. And uh, A month it, straight without coming home? Yeah. No. Yeah. Dude, and then the wife was okay with you after a month being gone? No, going that's to why ski? we're fighting. Yeah, yeah I, I would think. That's why we're fighting, yeah. And I'm going to leave in a couple of days to go back on tour. Shit. For how long? This one's it was supposed to be for two weeks, but I got to come back to host some event. Yeah. And so I'm flying back for two days to host this event and then flying back out. I got to be honest with you. I This, this is going to sound really horrible. I don't want to come home now. Like not, I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's easier for me to manage my emotions, my health, my life by staying on the road. Because I'm in a tour bus by staying on the road. And just working. Yeah. And just going like. That makes sense. It's because I, I drink when I fly. And so if I'm not, and, I'm, and I don't drink in the tour bus. I mean, I'll drink at night, like when we, but like for the <laughs> most part. Yeah, no, I meant, <laughs> I meant like. You I, know, I drink yeah. at night. <laughs> no, but I, I meant, drink. I meant like, you know, like people thought I was going to be like, get up in the morning, go drink. Yeah. Or like Ralphie eating pills and then going back to bed. I do understand how that happens so fucking easily. It's so easy. On a bus. Oh, yeah. I understand how addiction runs wild on a bus. Yeah. But for me, it's like at the end of the night, when we get on the road to drive, I'll have a few drinks, but you're home. That's the crazy part is you're home. So you know how if you have a few drinks at home, you're like, I'm going to go to bed. You don't like go like at a bar after a show, you're like, one more round, one more. Let's do a, one shot and then we'll leave. Last call, last call. And then you're like, gonna get a couple. We'll take it back to the hotel room. Yeah. None of that happens. So it's so much healthier for me. But uh, And how many people are on the bus? It's... Uh, four at any five at any time. Who It'll are be, they? It's uh, Cobra is my assistant. Um, uh, uh, Dean is the driver. Me, and then the opener, and then I have a cameraman, John Mans, and then on this trip we'll have we're gonna add one more as a producer, a field producer, 
Damn. Two segments. Yeah, it sleeps eight. So and who's the opener? Uh, this week's Dave Williamson. Last week was Shane Torres, Dusty Slay, and uh, and Jesus Trejo. It's been, I love it, I love it. But it has been. I'd rather stay on the road because I just you're doing two shows a night. You get two Monday Tuesday off, and so you're like, well, fuck, I don't want to fly home Monday and fly back out Tuesday or Wednesday morning. Yeah, I'd rather just be out there. So the tour bus, where does the it lives in L.A. The tour it lives bus? in Nashville. And is it just yours? Just mine for, for three months. And then the end three months, it's done. Really? Yeah. I've always wanted to do that. You've got to see pictures of, I, of the tour bus with yeah. Bert's half-naked body uh, on the side. Segura it's just got one. It's it's the greatest. It, I mean, I'm, I'm being dead serious. I think someone like you, like Halston and I were talking about trying to set up a podcast studio in there. It just wouldn't work. It's too tight. It's There's not enough room. It's not. It, it, you'd have to really get a different type of bus. Or you'd have to like, it, it, you'd have to do headsets or something. Like you couldn't do mics. It's just way too loud. Um, but I, I got to be honest with you, you, you got to try it once. Do you just watch movies? Oh, dude, it's the best. You just got the, we get in the bus after the show. The bus is parked outside the venue, so like the bus is right outside the theater. So you don't even go in the green room. You're in your bus, and then watching the NFC Championship game, and they knock on the door. Five minutes. You're like, okay. You get put your shoes on, walk off the bus with a cup of coffee that you made on the bus on stage get off stage get back on the bus bus starts up they get everything ready having a few cocktails we'll start watching the fry festival documentary <laughs> everyone gets comfortable gets in their pajamas and then you drive through the night pajamas dude <laughs> it is the greatest oh thing in the fucking God. world and now the, yeah no. given that your image is on the side of the bus are there fans pounding Ooh, on it all the time yeah that has been <laughs> problematic yeah yeah Segura said to me when i told him i was getting it wrapped he was like he was like are you sure that's the greatest idea <laughs> i was like ryan he goes Cause won't everyone know where you are and yeah and my personality is like pretty much like you can i'm a very approachable so people just knock and like i know bert wants us to come in and i'm <laughs> and my buddy do you just, have girls hit on you no never I mean, maybe, maybe like drunk in passing, but not really yeah, like right. not, not knocking on the door, <laughs> no. putting on, putting on chapstick. No, <laughs> no. And not even remotely of that. Cause you know, Paulie Shore still does the bus and still gets blowjobs. Like, oh, I could totally, all the time. I could totally see how that would be fun as fuck. Where it's like, it's a, it's a implicit understanding that you're going to get on the bus, perform oral sex, and then be on your way. And you, we'll drop you off in the next city. Yeah. Uh, we had toyed with the idea, me and another, I, I won't blame, I won't put point fingers, me and another married comic was like, just toying with the idea of like, how great would that be to just be able to pick a couple girls who are fans, obviously, and they're going to want to hang out, and we all chill on the bus. And then we all have sex and they're like, all right, we're in Indianapolis, time to send you home. And then you buy them two tickets home and they're like, that was awesome. We just partied in the tour bus and he flew us home. Yeah. It makes total fucking sense. Yeah. But then you think about losing your family and you're like, right, uh. right. It's so much easier to wake up with a clear conscience, I think, mm -hmm. and go, I'm doing this for my family. Yep. I'm, you know. And then how often do you get hotel rooms? Never. Oh, you shower on the bus. Shower in the venues. Shower in the venues. Some, you can shower in the bus. You get like six showers per weekend uh -huh. uh, on the bus. Where do you poop? Uh, not on the bus. I've oh, actually is that the rule? Oh, yeah. And Leanne almost first night was like, 
going to take a shit. And I was like, oh, you don't poop in the bus. And she was like, yeah, sure, right. And I went, I'm like, no, 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 you don't poop in the bus. And she's like, I know you're fucking with me. And I had to get the bus driver to tell her not to shit in the bus. Yeah. Because she didn't believe me. You don't How shit did you bus. know she was about to shit? Was, did she have oh, a magazine with her? She wakes up in the morning. And the first thing she wakes up, she has a cup of coffee and goes to shit. And I was like, oh. I was like, hey, if you have to shit, you got to tell Dean and we'll pull over. And she's like, we're not stopping for me to shit. And I was like, no, 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 we are. So we stopped in the middle of the Rockies uh, in Banff and just gorgeous. And she was like, this is the most beautiful shit I've ever taken in my life. <laughs> it was gorgeous. And the, it was, but that's the coolest thing is like you get up in the morning, you like go up to the front, you open the front door and you're like, where are we? And then he's like, take a look at this. And we were, we, the first night that happened was in the Rockies and it was just, I was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Wow. Our bus driver was taking pictures of it to send to his family. Yeah. But yeah, tour bus is the greatest thing Dude, I've ever Dude, that's done. amazing. Congrats. You're at, you're at that level now. That's it's a, all that's a huge from step here. for you. <laughs> No, you still got private jet, helicopter. Yeah, you got all that. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever be able to do private jet. I think that I was having a hard time with spending the money on the bus. Yeah. But But, the way like I remember Louis C.K. talking about flying jets and his his whole theory was if he doesn't get the jet, he's not going to do as many dates. And the 10,000 it would cost to rent the jet versus the 50,000 you'd make on the gig. He was like, it sounds pretentious, but it's like. I, I wouldn't make that gig because it's connecting flights. That makes sense. And then you get spoiled and you go, well, now I'm just doing it all the time. That makes sense. I I know for in this tour, it wasn't cost effective when you were doing one show. So you do one Thursday, one Friday, one Saturday, one Sunday. But once you started doing two Thursday, two Friday, two Saturday, two Sunday, it turned into a place of like you wouldn't get off stage until midnight. You wouldn't be done. You're not, you wouldn't be back in the hotel till two till two in the morning. You wouldn't. You'd have to fly at six to get to the next venue, yeah. and that was every single day. That was uh, every single day, and I was just like, I was dreading it. And then when we got the tour bus, I don't dread stand up. I don't. Dr- I don't ever have a set where I'm like, ugh, I got a fucking awful day tomorrow. And is it easy to sleep on the bus? It's so easy. Really? It's better than a, in a bed. It, really? It moves you, and I guess oh, the rocking yeah. is kind of has like a Xanax effect of like you know how I don't know. You probably don't take Xanax, but like sometimes there's days when you wake up and you're like i'm ready to go back to sleep you're like i'm not going back to sleep i might as well just get up and start my fucking day and then if you take a xanax you wake you up and you're like i'm gonna sleep for maybe like three more hours and your <laughs> eyes close and you wake up and you're like it's noon you're like all right i'll sleep till two and then you close your eyes again i sleep till 245 every single day wow, wow. yeah if the bus is driving yeah. if the bus is driving i sleep till 245 <laughs> talk like, to me about masturbation uh <laughs> it's good my door has a lock on it i don't think anyone else can do it but like i had to like if you you got to go through the bathroom and my door to get to my room. So, yeah, yeah that's definite. And you just bring in a wad of tissues? Uh, I've been using this shirt. It was it was a it was a, oh, it, it, was a it was a panic you, moment. 13? It was a panic moment where we needed it. It needed to happen. And uh, I, there was a shirt there that I was like uh, the first time I didn't even have any lotion and then I stopped and got lotion. And so I, I was like Wait, what kind of panic moment was it? I just wanted to do it, and I was like... That's <laughs> a panic. I wanted to do it. <laughs> I wanted to do it. It was going to happen, and I needed something quick. Okay. I didn't, we're not, I'm not going to compromise one of my towels. You only get a couple towels. Yeah, no, so that makes I was sense. Like, yeah. So, so like, did you watch porn on your phone? Yeah, on my phone. I've never once watched porn on my phone. For real? First of all, it just feels weird. I feel like my computer is a whore, you know? <laughs> Actually, Mark Maron has a bit that's similar to that, so I have to say that. Um, and my phone feels like it's all business. And also, my kids may check my phone, yeah. whereas my rule is nobody touches dad's fucking computer, period. Oh. 
I have had porn up on my Safari on my phone oh. before. And my, my daughter opened it was like, oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah, that, and that was a long time ago. Yeah. And so I don't think she knew what she saw, but she saw it. Yeah. So wait, can you guys not masturbate with that porn? Uh, I don't. Yeah, no. I don't think so. Really? I should try it. I should try, you call it barebacking or freestyling. I should try it once just to see if I have it in me. I. Yeah, flex that muscle. I don't think that I've. I think it's been a very long time since I went. Here's how I could do it. It would have to mean that like I'm writing on a TV show and there's a woman that I become flirty with. Because this is healthy flirtation when you're married. Yeah. And she's hot and I get within 10 feet of her. I think I could ride that into a masturbation session. I'd, I would I would still Google. I would still look for someone that looked like her on uh, porn. Yeah. There was one time. There was one time that there was a woman that was extremely flirty with me. And she was redhead. And I'd never been attracted to redheads. But she had, uh, she had puffy nipples. And Wait, she was how do you know because she was wearing a dress that crossed like this mm-hmm. and she kept leaning down to talk to me and i kept seeing them wow and I, well, the, yeah obviously and, you can use that and i was like and i was like i definitely was like i think she i think she was doing it and knew she was doing it and she kept doing it to me and she and at one point she put her leg like on my leg like rubbed her leg on my leg and i was like Oh my god! And so <laughs> that night, I was like, "All right, Google redheads, puffy nipples." Turns out there's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole blog blogosphere set set to it, and then they stopped letting blogs be porn. Oh, Tumblr. Really? Yeah, there's a Tumblr. Wait, are uh, puffy nipples a redhead thing? I don't yes, know. Very much so. Interesting. I'd never even yeah. really seen them before, but this woman had them. It was a really interesting boob. Yeah. And then at one point, we were eating lunch, and I could see in her like her dress was out and i could see them and i was like jesus christ woman damn i don't want to belabor the point but what do puffy nipples look like it's an extended areola and instead of a uh you know a pencil uh, eraser type nipple it's more of a mound okay yeah it's I, I said it once to someone and she said oh that's like prepubescent girls and that is true i think that when it's like yeah, the that's led like zeppelin cover yeah. you, you ever see the led zeppelin cover which one that's uh, I don't know if I think it's Led Zeppelin 2 where there's a girl standing there naked she's like probably 13 isn't that crazy and I can't fucking believe that was an album cover isn't that crazy that that was just like 20 years ago that that was almost socially acceptable yeah not I mean I don't know if it was ever socially acceptable but I remember in ninth grade my friend was dating a guy that was 24 she was in ninth wow. grade she was dating a dude that was 24 wow. and her mom was cool with it. No shit. And I remember thinking, that's weird. Like, I remember, like, then going, that's weird. But then, you know, fucking Priscilla Presley was 13. Yeah. Mm. Priscilla Presley was 13 when Elvis met her. That's right. I loved Elvis and Me, both the movie and the book. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Were there other underage girls or was it just Priscilla? Well, like, the, was book that is just about, the book is just about his relationship with Priscilla. Oh. Yeah. Which one is it? But that was a true love, wasn't it? Yeah. But he cheated on her? I can't remember, but probably. No. Maybe it was a poster. Might be a poster. Um, 
What about you? Do you have? Uh, do you need visual stimulation to? Um, I thought you were going to say, "Have you ever had sex with a thirteen-year-old?" <laughs> Wait, what's the oldest guy you've ever dated? When the youngest you ever were? Well, she was twenty-one when she had sex for the oh, first yeah, time. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. So I was twenty, and he was twenty-seven or twenty-eight at that point. Um, That's and a that, big age that difference. That seemed like age a difference. big da- age yeah. difference. Yeah, I made out with a coworker who was like twenty or twenty-five years older than I was when I was in my twenties. He was like. I think I was like 25 and he was probably 45. Wow. But that was just kissing. <clears throat> I don't think that that... Would you have gone further? No. It was someone that I had a crush on for a long time. I always liked older guys. And I had a crush on him for a while. Um, and then when I was moving to New York, he sort of was all of a sudden interested in me. And like I wasn't interested in him anymore, really. So... He walked me to my car. I think it was like, I don't know if it was a birthday party of mine or like a, a going away gathering or something. He walked me to my car and then we made out for a little while with the car. And I remember thinking, I'm not really into this. I was, more, I think I was more into the fantasy of it than like the reality mm-hmm. of it. Because um, actually he, I remember he kind of, when I was still working there, he kind of, <laughs> this is so inappropriate, um, kind of like pro- proposition to me is the wrong word, but like we were talking on the phone and he's like, you know, suggested that he co- come over and I knew it was like just for sex. Was he a boss? No, no, he was, we were like the same, he was more senior, but I didn't answer to him or anything like that. Um, and I, even though this is someone that I had had a crush on, I said, no, because I I said, like, think about how weird that's going to be to go to work the next day. And also, I think I lost a little bit of, like, the bloom came off the rose a little bit. The fact that he, what, like, just wanted some, like, sleazy one-night stand thing, whereas I had, like, built him up in my head. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was weird. And now that, it, like, I haven't thought about this in a long time. Telling the whole story, especially in, like, the Me Too era, it all sounds so inappropriate. But I didn't feel pressured or anything like that i just felt like ah he's this guy that i had put on this pedestal as just kind of a sleazy dude see that's that's what's interesting about this not i'm definitely not virtue signaling right now but i will say i always had a weird i think because i had sisters i had a weird thing where i could see the girl more as just a set of tits and ass sometimes not all the times not all the times but like i remember there was one time that this girl that won a wet t-shirt contest came back to party with us and it was all guys and all my friends were like we should fuck her and i remember thinking she just wants to be cool like i, I, mean, I could have been wrong i mean she maybe just wanted to fuck everyone she didn't i ended up taking her home in a cab that night but and i'm not going in with her no no, no i didn't know yeah. no one hooked up like with her protecting her no one not not she was I mean, she was a little out of it but i remember thinking she just wants to be famous. She just wants to be cool. She wants us to be to like her. And the only way she knows how to do it is by showing her tits. Yeah. And I was I felt bad for her. And I was like cuz I don't know that that type of female I've always empathized for cuz I think I'm there's part of me that connects with it. It's the mm-hmm. same part it's, it's the reason all this, liked. Yeah, yeah, it's like wanting to be liked. And I I would do stuff that made me feel degraded to get people to like me. Yeah. And so I always empathize with those women. And, and I dated a girl when I was 17, 18. When I was 18, I dated a girl that was 15. Uh, I was a fresh, I was a senior. She was a sophomore. And I never had sex with her. 
but I, I, in a weird way, I just thought, I think that's an irresponsible thing to do. Also, let me be fair. Um, that is hardcore virtual signaling. I was not good at sex, and I was terrified to have sex again. It was not because of her age. It was because I was really bad at sex, and I, I, my first time kind of traumatized me, and I was like, I don't think I'm ready for it. And then by the time that we would be ready to have sex, I was going to college, and I, that's when I thought it would be irresponsible to take her virginity and then go to college. Yeah. So I was like, I should just not do that to her. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I was the opposite. I was into <laughs> older women. Really? I, I, that was the opposite. I used to fuck, you know, uh, <laughs> When I was 19, I went out to the Hamptons with my brother and another buddy, and we stayed in this little condo. It was, there was a pool, and it had like three little condos on it. And ours was a one-bedroom, and it had so many fleas in it that our bodies were covered in welts the whole summer. God. And we, there was a pull-out couch in the living room. Whoever got home first went into the bedroom and locked the door so they could have the bed themselves. The yeah. other two guys were on a fucking fold-out couch together. But next door was a two-bedroom condo that was pristine. And these two women, the Palumbo sisters from Queens, used what to come out on the weekends. Names. And one was a, a hairdresser. And the other one was a corporate lawyer. She was a high-end corporate lawyer. And she turned 40 that summer. And I was 19. And we started dating each other. And she'd come, they'd come out like on a Friday. And they'd make a big dinner. Because they were real hardcore Italian Guido chicks. Oh. And they were the greatest girls. They'd make a big dinner. And me and my brother and this guy, Sean, who was from Northern Ireland, we'd go over there. And they had a fucking stocked bar with a with good liquor oh my god and put me would, in a fucking time eat, machine and we would have sex and then and then sunday night they would cook all weekend and then sunday night they would drive back to the city and they would just take all the leftover food and put it in tupperware and we'd bring it back to our hovel and we'd try to survive on it till they came back the next friday <laughs> and then one weekend she shows up and she's dating uh, an appropriately aged guy. Mm -hmm. He's like he's like fifty. I remember he had like graying hair. Yeah. And they sat at the pool, and he was reading the New York Times, and 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 then and with the paper over his face, I just kept pulling out my dick and smiling at her, like <laughs> you know you want this. <laughs> it's it's an interesting time in that everything is so black and white. Yeah. That there's no, that it's it's this. And then that mute R. Kelly, mute Michael Jackson, like, and and we didn't see it. Like we didn't see it when it was happening. Yeah, I remember hearing that he was married to Aaliyah and going, "Wait, wait, how old's Aaliyah?" Right. And they're like, "Oh, she's four, fifteen. I was like, "That seems young." But then in my head, I was like, "Well, that one girl dated that older guy. I guess that's how it works." Yeah. You know, like, it, I, I got her parents have to have met him. Like they have to have signed something to say they can get married. Yeah. But now it's so black and white. It's just like. Like, now obviously you hear that story and you're like, wow, that woman was a predator. You were 19. Well, you couldn't have known what you were doing. Like, and you're like, no, she was just... No, it was, she was beautiful and we were friends. We stayed friends for years after really? that. Yeah. Who was dating the hairdresser Palumbo? My brother, who's older than me, was dating the younger sister. Mm. And I was dating the older one. And I remember we went to the New York Film Festival. She was, you know, very fucking, uh, very sophisticated. And she brought me to the New York Film Festival. And there was a Marcello Mastriani film playing. And we got onto the escalator to go upstairs. And Bill Murray was standing. I got my Bill. You know, there's that documentary about Bill Murray. Yeah. Here's my Bill Murray story. So he's on the escalator one step ahead of me. And he's my God. To this day, there's nobody yeah, that means without that a doubt. Much. And so I say to him, I go, excuse me, Mr. Murray, will you sign my ticket? And he just looks at me. He does that thing where he raises his eyebrows. And he goes, do you have a pen? 
and I was like frozen. I was like, fuck, I don't have a pen. So he grabs it out of my hand, puts it in his mouth, and he chomps down on it and leaves his teeth marks. And he goes, that ought to get you back in again. And then just walk, and then we're at the top of the escalator and he just walked away. Oh, wow. To this day, fuck. I have that ticket stub. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That's so great. She took you to the New York, New York Film Festival? Yeah. See, now that's called grooming. <laughs> she was grooming she was, you. Yeah, she bought me a suit, tight fitting suit. <laughs> she was grooming you. <laughs> expensive haircut. <laughs> I don't know if I could date. I was, I was trying. I was toying with this joke on stage, but I go, I don't want to date a twenty-five-year-old, but I wouldn't mind having one around just to impress her. Like, <laughs> yeah. my wife just doesn't get impressed by anything. Right. Yes, means, like, I am always. I don't really worry about my husband ever cheating. <clears throat> However. If if it were to happen, it would happen because it would be like someone at work who's like, oh, my God, you, your spreadsheets are amazing. Or like, yeah. ah. <laughs> that happens a lot. You know, like all the things because like I don't do that stuff anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to impress a wife. Yeah. They just, yeah, you want some young girl from like a small town in the Midwest, right? Like, and then, oh you, my God, you lit, you've made it in L.A. for so long. You oh know my God, Nick Swartzen. <laughs> You want someone that hears a million dollars and goes, a million dollars, as opposed to, we only keep half of it. Right. It's not really a million dollars, honey. It's not really a million dollars. Yeah, I I would, I think my wife, if she cheated on someone, she would cheat on someone who, uh, like, I'm too emotional. And she'd cheat on someone that was just dead inside. Like, yeah, a man who was like, hey, why don't you go fucking clean yourself up in there, bitch. Right. Like, as opposed to. Do you want me to help shave for you? Do you need some help? <laughs> Which would make you feel like even more of a cuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I am a hardcore cuck. It was so weird when that whole thing cuck came out. I kind of was like, oh, yeah, I'm a cuck. Like in my head, like I, I've been cheated on and I I've, I've definitely am too sensitive and like all the things that, and then everyone's like, that's an insult. And I was like, wait, why does it have to be an insult? Yeah. Like I just was one my whole fucking life. <laughs> I've been cheated on. I've, I've been cheated on three times. Really? Yeah. Well, it's because you only have sex for three minutes. Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons. <laughs> they're looking for the other 27 minutes for yeah, they're somebody. Looking, they're looking for something. <laughs> I think I was like, I was like, what about all the extracurriculars? Those don't count. Like, I'm a good guy. I don't hit you. I don't call you dumb whore. I don't spit in your mouth during sex. Nope. <laughs> no, that women, I, I don't know what women want anymore. I'm not going to fucking speak for women. But. When you have sex and it lasts, what what is the range of minutes that it lasts? Oh, I mean, it's been it's been mind blowingly short at times. <laughs> What's the most you've ever lasted? Oh, I've lasted a long time, but sometimes when I get if I get too drunk, I can't have an orgasm. Yeah, and that's frustrating. And then even when I do, it's not even satisfying. It's just right. like it's like my dick's like fine. Puh, there is that what you wanted? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> begrudgingly coming yeah, yeah, yeah. okay uh, uh, uh. but uh yeah usually like like we had sex the other night and it happened uh extremely quick like right when i came off the road uh she was like i sent the girls to go get prom dresses i figured this is what you needed and i was like oh and it was it was pretty rapid yeah but what i don't i don't understand like part of me goes what am I supposed to do? Are you like, supposed to go again? Oh. It doesn't work if you try it again? No, it's just not my wife. My wife's like, I don't think my wife's really into sex as much as I am. Yeah. I think she does it for us to keep us together. But if you said to my wife like, oh, Bert will never be able to have sex again. She'd be like, okay, cool. 
She'd be like, oh, we'll get to Can know each other. Can he still tour? Can he still tour? Does that gonna affect his bank account at all? Yeah, I don't think my wife would give two fucks. I, I could be over-exaggerating, but I just don't think that's... It's not where her head's at. Yeah. Like, she's more... Like, if you said, Bert will never be have sex, and then it, adversely, you guys probably won't be able to look at properties on Zillow. She'd be like, huh? What? We can't look at properties on Zillow? Yeah. yeah I, but... Which I, I kind of wish I had met the girl that had was like sexually adventurous. Uh-huh. And she was like, yeah, I'm just not that person anymore. Yeah. And you're like, oh. It can come back though. Like, you know, when you have kids that are your kids ages, it's just nobody's doing a lot of fucking. Yeah. And it can like, now that my kids are older, like there's been a huge renaissance. Really? Yeah. It's really like, a, and it's a really healthy, I think we communicate more about it. I think we have a better sex life in a lot of ways than we ever did. Really, I would. L- for us, it's if Leanne loses weight. Like, not she's not overweight, but if she starts losing weight and feels better about herself, then, and myself too. If I start losing weight, you can tell that you go. Oh, so you also weren't attracted to me. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, like right now, she just lost like five pounds, and she, I, you can, I can tell the difference. Def- definitely naked. And she's more confident. I think that has to do with it. Yeah. yeah. As someone trapped in a gigantic pregnant body, I can say that like body fluctuations totally affect how sexual you feel. Really? Yeah. Like I can't, I don't even want to see myself in the shower. I actually can't see myself in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I feel that way too about I was, myself. I was thinking about you today when I was clipping my toenails. Oh, thank you. But I was wondering, can you clip your toenails or do no. you need Danielle to no. help you? I need daniel to help me with even like putting my shoes on and it's gotten to the point now where um putting my underwear on i would prefer to have him help me because it's hard to like bend down and get my foot in and yeah this is just the very end sorry i keep adjusting this no, no, trying to get comfortable it. the very end of pregnancy is just extremely uncomfortable and i remember it happening by the way that's how i feel every evening <laughs> i feel like a pregnant person just like, <sighs> last night i undid my pa- my pants and my belt and just sat there going fuck i can't do this yeah oh it's fucking oh, horrible don't you just want to sit there in compression socks and a nightgown oh, oh by the way my ankles are swollen if i fly on a sunday my ankles are so swollen that i get in my pool and just to like unswell my body really oh yeah yeah oh i'm when I fly, I've been getting swollen when I fly. I was just bloated because I drink on planes and you eat everything salty as fuck on a plane. Yeah. And then you get off and my wedding ring yeah. is fucking... Just, now it comes off, but man, I've had it where I had to put the string underneath it yeah. and wrap it around. Have you ever done that? Yeah. No, I've never done it, but I've heard of that being a way to get your uh, ring yeah, off. Yeah, I've had to do that before in wow. fucking Africa. I had to fucking... It was giving me a panic attack. Right now it's okay, but... By the way, I love that... That Allison was just like complaining about the throes of the final stages of pregnancy, and you hijacked it about how fat you are. <laughs> and then I, all the parallels. What if I started no, doing a bit about being pregnant? Oh, I go, you guys, should. ladies, ladies, ladies. I know you've been through pregnancy, but I'm going through it right now. Just close your eyes and pretend it's a female's voice. All the things are the same. I'm a third trimester for ten years. I can't shave my 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 balls anymore. I can't reach. It's a bunch of guesswork. My wife clips my toenails. Oh, but my wife won't clip my toenails. Keep going. Yeah. Do you want to just be seated all the time? Like, does the idea of getting up and going across the room and, like, organizing your kids' toys if you had a toddler sound like hell? No. Okay. No, mine is just the uncomfortableness of... Right now, I'm riding this fine line of overeating and not overeating. 
I'm trying to eat healthy, uh, but I'm going through this real insatiable thing with everything. And I'm and I've got a fucking thing coming up, a physical. And so I'm trying to be healthy for the physical. Have you tried the morning fasting thing? I hear that's really oh, effective. intermittent fasting. It is until you get to lunch and you're like, fucking let's party. <laughs> Who wants to fuck this mouth? Hey. Oh, this cheeseburger <laughs> wants to fuck this mouth. Nachos want to fuck this mouth. Yeah, I, I, I've been intermittently fast, fasting, but it, I don't know. I haven't weighed myself in a little bit. I got yeah. a sponsor called Withings. It's a great scale. But Have you ever done keto? I've done everything. I've done everything. It's, there's too much stuff out there. Yeah. It's my only critique of Rogan's podcast. It's my favorite podcast in the world. But I get so much information thrown at me that I, I think yeah. I'm I'm literally, it's almost like, uh, like imagine if you were cutting, you were trying to defuse a bomb and it's like, cut the blue wire, cut the not, cut, cut the gray wire, cut the gray. I've cut every fucking wire and, I, and none of it's working. The one thing this girl, Ali Spagnola said, she, uh, she has a workout vlog. She just said something that was so simple to me the other day was you can't, outrun a bad diet mm. and i think for me it is impulse control mm-hmm. like i just like oh, i went to the fucking movies with the girls last night and my daughters are fucking horrible at it they're like should we get a pizza i was like definitely yeah, we got a pizza i was not gonna get a pizza but i'm like well they want a pizza we'll get a pizza and they're like does mom want anything because Lance's getting the seats i was like well we're gonna get a large popcorn i'll get two hot dogs uh, the pizza. Do you guys want to get nachos? Do you want to get those uh, pico uh, sticks? Really? And I got so much fucking food that in the middle of the movie, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm literally burping up fucking relish and mustard Uh-oh. because Leanne didn't want her hot dogs. So I ate both of them. <laughs> so the- it's one of those theaters where you have a table to eat? No. <laughs> no, Greg. <laughs> regular- I'm doing it all in my lap like I'm on a bus. <laughs> I'm doing it all in my lap. <laughs> I was eating so wow. much food that the guy in front of me turned around to see if I was done yet. <laughs> and I was like, I haven't even started the popcorn captain. <laughs> I fucking was murdering oh, food. Oh, God. I can't help. And then, and then sometimes I get to this place where I'm like, fuck it. I just go, fuck it. Like, the best is eating with Ari because Ari cooks like a 19-year-old still. So like the last day there when we were skiing, Ari goes, uh, don't worry, guys. I'm making dinner. And we're like, oh, cool. We're like, what's for dinner? And he goes, uh, baked potatoes. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, and he was just baked potatoes. If you guys want to heat anything else up, that's fine. He just made, and by the way, they weren't even big. They were the size of like, of like, of like kumquats. They were like tiny fucking baked potatoes. And he, and all he had for them was butter and cheese. And I go, should we do some bacon? He goes, bacon would be nice. So then we put, and then, and then in the middle of it, and this, it's so endearing because you see it. Like the first time you were 18 and you cooked dinner, food, not dinner, but yeah. food for your friends. And you're like, not bad, huh, guys? <laughs> living life, living life. And all we're eating is baked potatoes. <laughs> and I was like, I usually put Wagyu steak with this. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and then and that night I was just, I was fucking, we went to, this is hardcore secret time. Please don't show with this Segura. He would fucking lose his shit over this. We were coming back from the club, Wise Guys. So we did two shows Friday, two shows Saturday. But Friday night, we're coming by back. We we they got a, a wait. This is during the vacation. During the vacation, we did two shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday to do stand up oh. to, to deficit fund the vacation. Okay, and then we all got a paycheck, so it was a free vacation, and then we all got a little money. Nice. So we skied, and no one paid for anything, and then we all got some money. And so on the ride back, we're all high, and ever and Ari's like, someone's like, should we get should we get tacos? There's a Del Taco. 
And I was like, yeah, but I, and I was, I'm very much a control freak about this because I've been on the road so much with Travel Channel, with Stand Up, that some of these guys, I'm not saying, I, mean, I don't mean this down, but they're like, they haven't been on the road as much as I have. So I go, let me just take care of this. I know how this should work, and I know how you want this to work, but I know what you're thinking how it's going to work. <laughs> so we put up the Del Taco. The guy's name was Hassan that was our driver. I said, Hassan, just tell them I want $100 with the food and surprise me. And they were like, okay. So he goes, $100, and they're all losing their mind. Are you fucking serious? Are you fucking serious? <laughs> Man, they will tell you, this was the best $100 I ever spent. I tipped the guy, because the, they really gave us like a, a, a broad spectrum of what Del Taco had. Uh -huh. They gave us like five, I, I told them, we have six people in here, give us six of everything. So they just gave us six of a bunch of different things. Yeah. So we all got like a breakfast burrito, a shrimp burrito. Like it was fucking out of this, some, oh, some quesadillas, God. some French fries, and... And then I tipped the guy 20 bucks. I go, great job. Here's an extra 20. And the uh, Hassan, our driver, goes, big boss man tipped him $20. <laughs> I've never seen nothing like this in my life. Big boss man tipped him $20. Who tips a Taco Bell guy? Big boss man does. That's who. And we got in and we fucking destroyed Del Taco that night and for breakfast the next morning. And every one of them was like, big boss, man. Good call on wow, $100. Big boss, man. I've done that. I'd love, one of my favorite things to do is, when, especially when you're with the younger comics, and you pull up to like, uh, just go, I'll take 100 burgers, $100 worth of burgers. And you just see a comic go, huh? Yeah. And you're like, oh, we're fucking up burgers well, for the whole weekend. That was our episode when we did uh, Eating with Bert. Cooking with Bert, what's the name of your show? Yeah, Cooking with Cooking Bert. with Bert, we did Del Taco. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I was, that's, I was thinking about the fight I got into Doug Benson with. What? I, I bought, I got into a knockdown drag out fight with Doug Benson a while ago. I bought $200 worth of cheeseburgers and showed up to Doug Loves Movies. And he just wasn't, he did not find it as humorous as I did. And it was, you uh, showed up with it and I gave showed it up out with to the people in the theater. I cheeseburgers and yeah. I was going to give them out to everyone. Yeah. And he was not, he was really not having it. And he just we, thought it was a distraction from the show. It, it was definitely a distraction from yeah, the show. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't want, Everyone just eating cheeseburgers the whole show. Which, and they're all high, yeah, so they're getting fixated on the burgers. I didn't think about this at all. Yeah. And Doug definitely thought it through. And we had a bad fight on stage. On stage, it was really uncomfortable. But then he stayed the next night, and I think the next night even, and the staff had kept all the cheeseburgers in the freezer. Where was this? This is at St. Louis Helium. Oh, and you were working together. He, we did Doug Loves Movies on Thursday. I was doing Friday, Saturday. Totally movies Wednesday, and then he stayed Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and on Saturday night we brought all the cheeseburgers out to my crowd, and they heated them up, and they gave everyone cheeseburgers. And at the end of the night, Doug is like, "These cheeseburgers are a great idea." <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Not for my show, but for your show." There, and then me and him ended up signing a cheeseburger wrapper together yeah. and putting it on the wall. But yeah, uh, I love that. I love, I love that when you go like. I'm not. I'm not saying that hundred dollars isn't a lot of money, but just go. Let's just buy everyone's cheeseburgers. Mm -hmm. Such a boss move, and like that. It it's not that much out of pocket, mm -hmm. you know. To meaning like risk versus reward, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Now there's a lot of jobs where they, you know, employee of the month gets a fucking clock radio, and people lose their shit. Yeah. They work harder for some little treat. I used to I used to do audience warm up and the shit people would do to get a t-shirt thrown at them. It was Dude. crazy. Who did you do warm up for? Well, my first job ever was uh I worked for Bill Maher politically incorrect in New York and uh and I did audience warm up, which was hard because he wanted like 
you know, political, I used to do more political stand-up. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted like smart political stand-up for his crowd. And so I always felt very judged by him, you know, because I just wanted to throw out t-shirts and be a jackass. <laughs> so I had to do smart comedy, but then I got hired as my first writing job is he liked my stand-up enough that he hired me as a writer on the show. Really? Yeah. Your stand-up's been always kind of undeniable. Oh, thanks, man. No, but I, I, we were talking, I, I told you we were talking about that this weekend. There's a hand, it's interesting to see who you, who comics won't shit on, yeah, who are untouchable, where no one's no one's gonna be the first one. Talking shit about comics is an interesting art form. It's a lot like playing uh, no, hold uh, hold 'em Texas hold Texas hold 'em is you don't want to show your cards, uh-huh. and if someone goes oh fuck that guy, and they don't and they don't have a good reason, and a lot of people don't agree with them, then you look like an asshole. Everyone's like, well, actually, he's a really good guy. Yeah. But And there's a few guys that just no one's willing to turn their cards over on. And then there's some guys everyone's like, oh, I'll flip them over yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. And just be like, fuck that guy. Although I've found that the people that used to get shit on a lot, like Carrot Top or Dane Cook. They like get shit pe- on less. They get shit on way less because I think people realize, oh, no, they're fucking journeymen. Yeah. And they're killer performers. And they are doing it the way they want to do it. And I think Dane, I've always thought Dane was a really good comedian. And Carrot Top is, because he uses props, we should shit on him? Yeah. Why? There's millions of people that fucking love what he does. He gets off on it. It's what he's into. What's the problem? Yeah. It, to me, it's about, because we talked earlier about one comic who's a thief. That's the guy you want to shit on. Or the person who's disingenuous, like, I don't know. To me, I don't like the guy that goes up and just gives the audience what they want. You don't see an expression of the person who they really are. Like your yeah. special was just, here's fucking Burt Kreischer, the raw sewage of Burt Kreischer. You just yeah. put yourself out there and it's a cult of personality and it's a guy who's done stand-up long enough that he's in, in control of a crowd for an hour. Like that's what it should be. Yeah. Not like, I want to say, I don't want to say the comic, but somebody did a special and they focus grouped it. Oh, really? They brought in people what? to fill out questionnaires about the material so he could choose oh, no. which material to do in the special. You know, it's so funny. Uh, we actually talked about that. We were getting off the ski lift uh, uh, on High Meadow, and we were talking about that, and I, I used you as an example as they were coming off the ski lift. because we were, They were behind us talking. We could hear them. And they were like, what are you supposed to say to your friend like when you he's like when he's a little bit of a hack, and like are you supposed to correct him? And I said to you, I said to you a long time ago, I said I wish I could pay you to direct my special, but just kind of help me like do my special, like figure it out. And then you said something very that I've I've held on to hard as fuck. You were like, no, I could totally do that. I definitely can do that. I've done that before. I can definitely help you. You don't even have to pay me. But that also doesn't show everyone what you can do. Like part of what stand up is is what you can do. All let's let's see you do all your tricks. Right. As opposed to a comic going, Oh, let me fix your tricks for you. Yeah. And show you how to do them. And they were like, Oh, that's fucking genius. I was like, Yeah. One of the coolest things about stand up and, and un, untouched stand up, meaning like stand up where this is just me. I wrote this joke. I wrote all the punches, all the tags, I all the act outs. Of course other comics saw me and maybe gave me an insight that I didn't get. But like that's this this is the best trick. If it was gymnastics, this is no steroids. This is just the best tricks I can do. Yeah, even even less so be- with gymnastics because you had a coach. Yeah, like with us, I do feel like at times I wish I could bring somebody in to just go to point out the shit that I'm just not seeing. 
but you don't because it's like the th- there's most comedians and people always want to say like all comedians are X, Y, or Z. They're yeah. all depressed or they're whatever. But I do think it's true that we're all extremely self-sufficient, that we don't look for people to coach us or help us. Yeah. We resent it. Most of us could Hard not fun. hold down normal jobs because for whatever reason, whether you had ADHD or compulsive disorder, whatever it is, or you your, your childhood, it could be a million reasons, but the personality I see most typical is a need to be left alone and do it your own way. I couldn't take notes. Like if someone gives me a tag, I shy away from it because I go, ooh, hey. Yeah. Like I'll tell you who's the greatest at it. The greatest, uh, the greatest comic, in my opinion, to work with if you want to help your act but you want to do it yourself is going to sound like a big statement is Shane Torres. You know, Shane, know. Shane Torres has toured with me. We just did a run. And he's really great at allowing you not, I don't, I, look, I don't know if he's doing it on purpose or on accident. It's just the way he gives you notes. He doesn't want to write your act for you. So he's like, like at one point he goes, yeah, I, is there a reason you didn't put jokes in that part? <laughs> and, and I go, huh? And he's like, oh, I mean, I just, you could like fill that up with jokes and, yeah. then, and then that would be funnier. And I was like, as a like, comedian. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah. And it was like, I was doing this list. I was doing a list. But I was just doing the list. I didn't have it. It wasn't funny. Yeah. And like for me, the list, I don't know. And, and then I was like, oh yeah, I could put jokes there. <laughs> he's really good at that. And he's like, like or like giving you a tag that is just like, a, oh, like kind of leading you there. He doesn't want, but he, I, and I've taken, I, I've taken tags from him, Mark Norman, the only people I've really, really taken tags from. But, uh, but he's really great at that. And I, that's what I want is another comic to be like, hey, I see what you're doing. You're leaving this part out. Right. Well, you're telling me a bunch of shit I don't need to know. Well, especially a comic like you, because as a storyteller, how do you get rid of the stuff that isn't really the narrative of the story? That it, it might be a, a detail. It takes a while. And it's extraneous. You don't realize oh. it's extraneous all the time. I have this bit that I'm doing. I have two bits that I'm doing right now about taking care of my own kids, taking care of my kids when my wife went to Vietnam. And there was so much meat to it that did not need to be there that was just it was like get to the thing i think is funny and then allow myself to just get from a to b to c and then get there and then once you get there and you've been there for a while then you can start filling that meat up but like for me i i will get so caught up in stuff that does not fucking matter Hmm. or like this list my wife left me a list of how the house should be run <laughs> and i was reading it i was just doing the list like wake up. I w- there was no joke in it it was just a list uh-huh. and i thought the fact that it was so detailed was a joke and shane was like wouldn't it be funny if there were like jokes inside there and i was like <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> if that led to something <laughs> i was like oh i didn't even see that yeah, or like yeah. we were, me and you were talking about renazizi's story uh and we I mean, just it's just simply saying i don't need to hear that yeah that's all you need sometimes is I know that you think it's important, but I'm telling you as an audience member, I'll tell you what I want to hear. And that is so, so fucking mm-hmm. valuable in a story is I'll tell you what, or just going to like, like uh, Ryan O'Neill was telling a story this weekend and I, he said, I don't know. My family was a little fucked up and I was like, how so? And he just said it. He would never have said it on stage that way. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? He was like, what is, I don't, is that funny? And you're like, it's like one time I was doing the, um, the thing, the stand up on the spot with Jeremiah upstairs. Yeah. And Rogan and Skrull are in the back 
And some person in the front goes, uh, I goes, what, what subjects do you want to talk about next? Someone goes, Anne Frank. And I go, I used to think Anne Frank and Helen Keller were the same person. And fucking Rogan <laughs> lost it. And he's like, please tell me that's a bit. And I was like, no, I had no clue. That's like, I thought we all did. premise, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, find, I, I, I could, having been with those guys all week, I could talk about, I, I'm like obsessed again. Yeah. So um, Ari, I saw Ari had a shirt off skiing. Did he yeah. do that or did he just take it off for the photo? He just took it off for the photo. Yeah. Yeah. So he's so interesting of a guy because a, a child said, why is your shirt off? And as opposed to being kind to him, Ari just goes, <laughs> sun's out, gun's out to a child. And the child's like, okay. <laughs> Sun's out, guns out. <laughs> Ari's a really interesting fucking human being. Yeah, Having spent is, that huh? much time with him, you really there's like you really there's a really soft side to him, but there's also not like yeah. there's just a really like huh? I uh, know. I'll do it my way. Yeah, and he'll insult you. Oh, without yeah. thinking twice about it, not feel bad about it, and oh, you yeah. kind of and it and it at first it hits you, and you're like whoa, and then it doesn't bother you because you realize. Oh, this is just a guy who has in his life committed to being honest, whether it's in business dealings, you know, he's a, he's generous to a fault. Like he's the only guy, like if he does a stand up show and asks you to be on it, he'll pay you. Oh, oh if he nice. asks you to be on his podcast, he pays you. Yeah. Tips the fuck out of everybody. His money is just, he sees it as like, it should all be shared. Mm -hmm. Like when we did that, the, you must have done his show, the, uh, what's... This is not happening? Yeah. He paid everybody, you know, Comedy Central paid everybody, and then he gave everybody, I'm not going to say what the bonus gift was, but it was a very lavish Did you bonus. get mushrooms? Yeah. I got mushrooms. Yeah. yeah. Wait, how And then he gave me an extra pack, and he said, give these to Leanne. You yeah, he gave me yeah. an extra one for my yeah. wife. And then we went to the desert the next weekend and had a blast. He's a very interesting guy in that way. Like he, like at the end, like obviously people give him drugs non-fucking-stop. And then at the end of the weekend, he brings the whole staff together. He goes, all right, guys, it's drug sharing time. Break them up, split them up. Everyone take them. I can't take them with us. And he just, but yeah, he paid all of us this weekend. He is very. He paid you guys? He paid all of us. We all got like an extra chunk of change oh because it was his gig it was his gig in salt lake city but yeah and so it sold out so and he got 100 percent of the door maybe i shouldn't say that but fuck it he got 100 percent of the door and but it was a buyout it was a straight buyout so he got the room for the weekend and he brought in a bunch of comics and and uh and then he paid for everyone's ski passes everyone's ski rentals everyone's flights out he played for the airbnb no and then, shit and then yeah and then he paid everyone gave everyone a couple thousand, a few thousand dollars. Really? And yeah. potatoes. And potatoes. And potatoes. <laughs> and potatoes. But like we went Damn. out to dinner. I bought dinner a couple nights. Renazizi bought dinner one night. I think Ari bought dinner one night. We went out to like really like $500 dinners for the group, which isn't too in bad. In Salt Lake City? In Salt Lake City, yeah. No, in, in uh, Park City. Oh, because Salt Lake City's only how far? 30 minutes. That's amazing. Yeah, and I then I went, okay, so I'm in Salt Lake City in like a couple, in a month. I was like, oh, I'm going to stay in Park City and go skiing. And then go in and drive in and do my shows and then go back to Park City and go skiing. Because it's so much easier to wake up and go skiing than it is to wake up in Salt Lake City, get yourself out to Park City, ski, then come back. And then. Right. So, yeah, Ari is a really fast... Everyone that went was really... You know, it's, you, you find the thing that's fucked up in them because they're comics. But then you find the thing that they're trying to fix in them and you're like, oh, that's fun. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, like, uh, I guess I can't go into detail on people's dads, but we ended up talking about our dads one night. Yeah. And everyone was talking about 
what it's like a couple of people were talking about what it's like to be with very strict dads and dads that would fly off the handle yeah and i never had i never had a dad that would fly off the handle my dad was pretty dialed in pretty level like physically but they were like saying oh when you have a dad that fucking loses it you never feel safe yeah yeah i was like really and they're like oh just little things like watching the waiter come up and approach the table the way that they've seen oh. a waiter approach a table the wrong way and going oh let me get in front of this for you Dude, that was my childhood. For real? My dad berated more waiters in front of us. It was humiliating. And then gas station, back when there were gas station attendants, I can remember once he pulled out. I guess he'd paid, and and the guy hadn't pulled out the uh, nozzle yet, and my dad pulled away and yanked the nozzle out and then stood there screaming at the guy for five minutes. It was his fucking fault. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times it was his fault. Yeah. But he had really? such an explosive temper that it really, <clears throat> absolutely, live in fear. And I think it's why I'm so aggressive also, is watching that behavior and also not trusting the world and feeling threatened by the world. So I feel like I have to counter that. Do you See, think? Do you think that your relationship, do you think that a boy's relationship with his dad is the same as a girl's relationship with her dad? Or is it a girl's relationship with her mother? That is more important or? Well, no, it's like, I, th- you know, in us talking about our fathers and our the way our, our like, I'll, I'll never feel certain with my, my, with my decision because my right. dad always made me whatever. What, I mean, to this day, if my, if you tell, if I tell my dad, this is what I'm thinking about doing, my dad immediately goes to the other side. It's almost like hanging out with Burr. Like, yeah. you tell right. Burr something and he always argues the other side of it. That's why I fucking like hanging out with Burr. It's like hanging out with my dad. Yeah. But like, yeah. it's our the, the, our relationship with our dad is such a, informed us such as men or the reason it's defined us. Right. Well, but see, our inter- moms, our moms didn't do that to us. Does that, with your dad or with your mom, what informed you the most? My dad. Really? I'm relating to everything you guys are saying. Really? I have the like parents or the dad with the explosive temper the like wanting to just crawl under the table at a restaurant because my parents are being such dicks to the servers um but unlike greg where it made you more aggressive it has made me more empathetic and like i always want to saw i always imagine what it's like to be on the receiving end of that kind of energy um, so I think for a long time it made me more meek cause I didn't want to repeat it. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be my parents. Um, and then I also relate a lot to what you're saying about not trusting your own opinion. Um, it's like, so I used to do a lot of TV appearances and I would go on and, and, and I was sort of like a talking head for a period of time and talk about various things. And sometimes ahead of time, I would talk to my dad about the topics, especially if it was politics. Oh, wow. And wow. This is fucking awesome. I asked him because he was i felt he was more informed so i would like turn to him for can you just give me like the what's the 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 five minute back or less than that background on this but i would say please don't give me your opinion because inevitably it will just come out of my mouth because that's what i would find all of a sudden i'm in a live television setting and all of a sudden I'm like saying something that I heard my dad say and it's like that's not even what i think it's just like it feels automatic yeah um, and it feels I had, safe too. You feel like, well, it, it's almost like the way uh, 
I keep saying liberals, but but either side, conservative or liberals, when they state their opinions, like uh, if you don't recognize uh, cisgendered, bi- multicultural, bilateral, then I hate you, and they can stand by that and they can go to bed with that because what they've said is right technically, and and they, that they stand with their laurels. Yeah, keep going. I'm sorry. Well, so I had Kelly Carlin, George Carlin's daughter, on my podcast. I've had her a few times, and she and I were talking a lot about the effect. I mean, obviously, very different dads. Like my dad was not in the public eye, but growing up with a larger than life father, it really can mess you up. And because it, like what you're saying, it doesn't you it doesn't create space for you to form your own identity and your own ideas. And like even as an adult, you're still thinking like, well, what would my dad think about that? And you shouldn't be like mm. that shouldn't be sitting on you when you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s. Um, and she was talking about I think she she was working on a book called Untangling Daughterhood. So I think it really I think it's less about whether you're a son or a daughter. And I think it's more just if you have a parent that's larger than life with a really strong personality. That doesn't leave fact, space for you. Yeah. Like that's like something me. I've like said. Me. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, are you that guy? Heart, yeah. Uh, really bad. Like to the. Yeah, like really bad, and I didn't know it. Uh, and I once said to the girls, um, "Do I ever embarrass? Or no, what's it like having me as a father?" And Georgia goes, "It can be really embarrassing." <laughs> and I'm like, "Really?" And she goes, "Oh yeah, like there's yeah, it's really it's not easy." And I went, "Hold on, is it is it bad?" And she goes, "No, it's not bad, but it's just at times you're just like, why why is he doing this? Like I'm just want to I just want to skate through life. I." I like I, I'm talking about this in my act right now, but like I, there was an incident that if you follow my Instagram, you would know about. Uh, I got into an auction at uh, at Georgia School when she was on choir, and she was on stage, and they were auctioning off a snow machine, and uh, I just was I was definitely burnt in that moment <laughs> where I like the biddings at like fucking eighty dollars, and I just stood up and I go five hundred dollars, oh, and shit. the fucking room loses it right, <laughs> uh, and then and then this and then another fucking junkie dad in the back's like oh, I'm bored as fuck too let's let's do this asshole and he's like six hundred dollars and then <laughs> I had Isla stand up and go seven hundred dollars and so we just it just got out of control and at the end we got into the car and I remember Lee I didn't even look at Georgia Georgia was on stage she was on stage at the moment. And I wasn't even looking at George. I was so in me. And Isla and I were just loving it. And Leanne was like, she was appalled. She was like, Georgia will never be happy in snow for the rest of her life. It's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be like her rosebud. Yeah, but you, to have your dad inform your opinion is so interesting. The day that Anthony Cumia got fired from SiriusXM, I was at my dad's beach house, our beach house down in Clearwater. And my dad goes, this fucking idiot. Do you know this fucking idiot? And I go, I do. <laughs> and he goes, what's he like? He's got to be a fucking cocksucker. I go, no, he's actually a really nice guy. He's a, he's a nice guy. And my dad goes, he's a fucking moron. And I was like, well, really? And he goes, yeah. Has nothing to do with fucking color of skin. Violence is just poor people. That's poor people behavior. Poor white people beat each other up. Poor black people beat each other up. Poor rich white people beat each other up. It's just fuck. It's it's, it's socioeconomic. That's what he meant to say. Socioeconomic. I fucking hung my hat on that goddamn socioeconomic speech for so long, and I've gotten in so many arguments with people <laughs> where you go, it's socioeconomic. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, but but yeah, as soon as you hear your dad say something, you go, well, that's now my opinion. Yeah, I, I'd call my dad up all the time and go. So tell me about this. Uh, what's going on with the Russia thing? You know, my dad would go, oh, ugh. fucking give me his opinion. And yeah. go, that's mine. Just absorb it. Well, yeah, did you find it feels it- automatic? Like it almost feels like like issuing a command to a dog. You know, like yeah. I don't I don't want to absorb your opinion. 
I don't want to. It's just like so ingrained. Did you go through a period? Because when you have a dad like that, and I went through this, where you had to detach so you could like get your own feet on the ground. Yeah. Yes. And it was somewhat recent. I mean, it was like within the... Well, I moved... So my, my parents are in Southern California. I moved to New York and I was there for nine years. And that was really good for me. Um, and I feel like I did... You know, I was in therapy there and I really sort of... Came, came into my own for lack of a better word there and then again um when i came back out here i'd say like within the last let's see i came back here eight or nine years ago so with within the last eight or nine years i think there's been more like i don't there's been more separation too i, I got married and had a kid and all that stuff but but Still, as a figure, my dad still looms really large. Like, I, I told this story on my podcast with Kelly Carlin, but um, I don't do a ton of political tweets, but I just, every now and then, like, it just gets so bad right now that I feel like I've just got to say something. Um, and and so I said something negative about Trump, and then people responded. And I was just like, I'm more ornery when I'm pregnant, so I got into it with a few people. And it's so stupid. Like it's, you know, I'm, I'm arguing with someone who has like 30 followers and is never going to see things the way I see things. So why am I spending time doing it? And my dad sent me this email that was like, you know, it's really not worth it. You're never going to change anyone's mind. It's really not worth it to get into someone. And I worry that it could make someone want to harm you, which mm -hmm. that is where he and I see the world differently in that way. I've, I've mentioned on Childish, like he's very, my dad's very overprotective. He's very anxiety prone. He's older. Um, Can my dad meet your dad? <laughs> Are they the same person? My, identical, fucking identical. My dad's very anxiety prone. We call him. Uh, he's he's uh, a catastrophe thinker. Yes, that's my dad. He's yeah. he he's retired now, but he was a doctor. So everything's worst case scenario. Like everything's always worst case scenario. Put the fucking scenario. knives, point sharp down in the fucking dishwasher. Yeah. One of your idiot kids is going to come in and fucking stigmata themselves because you're fucking leaving the points up. Yes, totally. A hundred percent like that all the time. So I feel like I'm being irresponsible if I'm not constantly thinking about everything bad that could happen. So anyway, he sees the world as like the whole point of being alive is to never get hurt, basically. Like yeah. never put yourself in harm's way. And I just feel like you don't understand like everyone's shooting their mouth off on Twitter. No one's going to want to harm me. It's not like that. And, and I don't want to be afraid like that. And so here's a situation where I, I agree with you. There's no point in getting into it on Twitter. I disagree with you that I'm taking a risk by voicing my opinion. However, I deleted the tweet hmm. yeah. and I was just like, what am I doing? Like I'm, why did I, why did I delete it? B because, uh, my dad wanted me to, I think. Yeah, my dad was so... There was no fucking room for dissent. And he was... Uh, you know, my dad was six foot two from the Bronx. Yeah. He was a radio guy in New York. He was very opinionated. He was very eloquent. He was very persuasive and extremely likable. He was a fucking... He was bigger than life. So to grow up as a little tiny kid around that... Um, and so when I... I left for Europe. When I, I graduated high school, I worked for like six months. I worked two jobs. I saved up enough money to backpack around Europe for like six months by myself. And I changed and I came back and I sort of like oh. stopped taking everything he said to heart. And it was a really difficult time for him. He really had a hard time with me doing that. And, uh, and I remember that we 
when he told me once, he used to come see me do stand-up and he was very supportive. But the, the night he came to see me, it was Princeton, New Jersey. And we went out to dinner after the show and he goes, you need to write more jokes. Because he'd seen me do the same jokes the last time he saw me. And I just immediately went, fuck you. <laughs> and I didn't talk to him for a long time. I was like, really? no, you're not going to do that to me anymore. You don't have the power over me anymore. You're not going to tell me how to live, what to do. And, uh, and I'm just wondering, like, if my kids, my kids, I don't think are going to go through that the way I did, my sister did, my brother all did with my father. What if there was a website? I'm going to say this pitch. By the way, I own this pitch now. <laughs> what if there was a website called Meet My Parents where you 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 have like some really great interviewer inter- like almost like a psychologist interview your parents on a website and record it for history so that you're like I can say to my daughters or my daughter could say you want to meet my grand my great grand my grandparents you never got to meet my grandparents this is my granddad and if you're dating her you can go on the thing go hey I'm Al Kreischer it's good That's to meet you That's a great idea and then you just it's like all the cuz I would love to have, in you saying that, I was like, I would love to have met your dad. I know I, I can probably hear, can I hear radio of him? I have tapes I keep meaning to upload to YouTube. I need to do it. I would love to meet my dad's dad. That would be like, my dad has spent more time talking to me about his dad than any one subject. <laughs> and you know, he's only, he, you know, he died when he was 13, so he only has a handful of stories. Yeah. And so I've heard the same stories over and over again. But you hear him every time, you hear him like, you're like, your dad will start in and you're like, uh, you know, my dad didn't have a lot of money. And you're like, oh yeah. One of his favorite things to do is, like, his, it's interesting, my dad's memories of his father would like, if I just, if I died right now, Ilo would be like, my dad was on the road a lot. He had a friend named Joey Diaz. Uh, we used to love to have parties. My dad did a podcast in the man cave. Like it would be very small scope of what, who I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, also you can bring it to therapy. You do, yeah. Your first session is like, watch uh, this tape. I'll see yeah. you next Tuesday. <laughs> do you know what my dad got when I was 20, when I turned 26, when I first started standing stand up, my dad found his dad's diary from World War II. Oh, wow. And it was, I mean, I remember he gave it to me, but I, I wasn't there yet. You know, like emotionally, I understood it, but I, I didn't understand what I was reading. I didn't know what a man was really. I was just out of college, just starting stand up. I think I was really thinking about myself. One of the things he said in it that I just has always stuck with me was he would shave and they were in, I guess they were in the trenches and his helmet, the I, he'd put water in his helmet to shave and he'd have to break the ice that would form over the, over the water. Oh, wow. Yeah, and you just think to yourself like, it would be cool to get, it would be cool like now that me and you have talked to go, I want to go meet Greg's dad real quick, but not know that I met him. You know, yeah. like not you, not like I just go online and go right. uh, click me. You know, I guess that technically is social media now. But it yeah, was, but I'm thinking like, like our a, kids will be able to do that. They can just go listen to our podcast. Yeah. Right, right. That's true. But for the average person, like that could be like a facet of ancestry DNA mm-hmm. is that you can because you know how like me and Dave Kackner decided to do ancestry DNA together because he's convinced that we're related because our <laughs> families are the same and we're the same. And so we both signed up to do it. And uh, but to be able to cross reference if you're related to somebody, and then also another option is to yeah watch videos of that person's ancestors. That would yeah. be, cool. That'd be cool. And now we have the technology to do that, and it's so easy. You could just literally like you know they send you a kit, and they 
give you the totally. phone and the, the phone that. set up with an audio and then you upload it and then you've always got your grandparents on there. I don't know that announcing on your own podcast from your garage that this <laughs> is your idea is binding in court. All right, guys. If, <laughs> listen, if you know how to do this, get in touch with me and I'll give you, I'll sell you my idea. <laughs> I've had so many fucking ideas. You know what my idea was the other day? This is my fucking genius idea. Okay. A vagina that's in a flashlight. Okay, never mind. You heard it. <laughs> it is. It is um, spikes, right? Like little spikes. But you know those retractable. Like you go, and then the spikes go, and like widen out. Mm-hmm. And then if you push it together, the spikes go closer. It's one of those. It goes on a tray, and it's so you can stick meatballs and chicken wings on it. Oh, I yeah. like that. So that you, so that you know, like when you cook chicken wings, you always cook one side first, and then you got to flip them all. No, no, no. We'll just air cook the whole area. We'll just crisp them up. Smart. Yeah. Meatballs. You always put meatballs on and then they get flat on one side. And yeah. You're like, no, 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 no. We just. So this goes in the oven. This goes. This is an attachment to one of your already cooking trays. Got so you it. got those cookie trays in there. Right. And then you take this thing and it's got a bunch. It's got like a, you can make it like as wide or as thin as you want and it pulls it out and you got little spikes up so you can just stick like 20 meatballs on there. I love it. Okay. And then it just, you don't have to worry huh? about flipping anything. You want to hear my brilliant idea Please. that I was like. I'm going to become an entrepreneur. This is uses it's not in my wheelhouse, uses nothing in my skill set, but I was like this is such a genius idea. I'm going to do it. I'm going to disrupt the industry. Um I'm going to innovate. Uh, uh so we um went to Hawaii recently and it was super fun. However, I remembered that I don't like the sun and also putting on all the sunscreen before going to the pool every day was yeah. just very tedious. Yeah. And I was like, I wish there was just a booth that you could stand in that would spray you with sunscreen, sort of like a spray tan. Yeah. So I'm like, sunscreen booth. Resorts should have these. Mentioned it on my podcast. Turns out someone created this. They already have it. It was on Shark Tank. It's like not popular. No, no, no. They have it uh, They have it in like Miami at the places where they just put sunscreen on you. Yeah. But uh, okay, you ready? Another idea. It's a, it's a tour bus condom for toilets. So what you do is, Ooh. this is my, okay. So you put it. You sure you want to hear your wife to hear this? <laughs> you put, you put like almost, think of like a condom in that, in the sense that it's, it's, you can like take the uh, elastic part and flip it over the toilet seat so that it's covered the toilet seat. And then it goes down and there's a little hole and a reservoir tip. So you shit into this <laughs> condom and then close it up. And so that there's no shit in the toilet, you've def- technically shit into a bag. And so you can just throw away that bag. It's kind of brilliant. Yeah. Why don't they have those? I don't know why they don't. I don't know. I, like, I, I mean, I, it would kind of like bob on the water. Well, no, there's not water in a tour bus. There's toilet. water, water oh, there in a tour bus. Yeah, it's a little problematic, but... My mom comes up with the worst ideas and she gets so excited about them. <laughs> and she said to me recently, because she flies out to see us from Florida. And she's like, and, and she's from the Bronx. And she's like, and you know, these flights are so long and you come out and there's nothing to do in the seat and you cramp up. She <laughs> goes, they should have like a treadmill in the back and you put in a quarter and then you can go on the tread. I'm like, do you know the revenue they would give up in those six seats for, <laughs> for a quarter? quarter. <laughs> you put in a quarter. <laughs> Uh, how long would a quarter last you know 20 minutes <laughs> and then you got someone sweating and breathing in the back but every hour uh, you uh, make smelling like shit and then getting thumping. back in their seat just thumping 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 <laughs> Uh, but you make 75 cents per hour. Oh, my God. You know, in New York, you'd make at least 
is there any better feeling than when you hear someone's idea and it, it is so flawed but they don't see it they don't see the flaw in it they're like oh, yeah, i never saw them that yeah, way. Right. i've had a lot of those ideas i wanted to make a monkey fist fork so it would be like it would be like a little tiny monkey fist that goes like this so you you get instead of a fork you get like it's a trigger yeah that closes the monkey's fist so you could grab salad with the monkey fist and release it into your mouth i, I love that fun. yeah yeah monkey fist fork. what about how much would kids enjoy that oh right fucking yeah just grab a monkey fist fork and you just and just yeah. eat like a eat like a, a king yeah they used to eat back when they had babies feed them yeah i don't know if babies ever fed them but it's like it's like i remember i remember my daughter's i came up with the idea because my daughter grabbed a fistful of uh of uh of um goldfish yeah and when she was a baby and she's like daddy and i was like yeah and she just put her fist in my mouth and released them and i went well that wouldn't be a bad way to eat (laughs) get her to help me finish this salad that i can't get on a fork emperor in ancient rome you just have three-year-olds around Dipping their hand in a bowl of water, getting more food. Dipping their hand. <laughs> Fuck, this has been a great podcast. It's amazing. How much time? Super have we fun. Oh, yeah, nice. Well, that's perfect. Right. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the podcast, childish, childish. Yeah, and it's more than just parenting stuff, right? Yeah, it's all sort. We talk about news. We talk about our a lot of stuff about our lives. Can I? Can I? Can I give you a suggestion? Yes, please. Would you bring your podcasting equipment into the delivery room? And walk us through childbirth. I think wow. it would be a first. It would be a brand new first. Hold on. It would be. You don't. You don't even need to be in the moment. All you need is what? Do you, what? Like a hundred twenty-eight gigabyte card, right? Plug it into a power source, get room tone, and just. Do you, I would pay money to that hear a woman give birth. You? I thought it? about that. Do, do it. Do it behind a paywall. Oh yeah. Do it behind a paywall for one dollar. Yeah, that's a good idea. I yeah. would. I would pay money to hear, hear a woman give birth. People. You I bet get I, I bet it would go, <laughs> You know how quickly that would go viral? Like, oh my God, did you hear Allison Rosen? She shit all over the place. And you can hear her husband going, <laughs> Okay, can I tell you something about my first birth? Yeah. yeah. So as with this pregnancy, I'm very, I'm like extremely constipated now. I was extremely constipated with my first pregnancy. And I ate a salad a couple days before labor. And I thought, well, this is just passive aggressive of me. <laughs> no bowel movement, went into labor. And I was... When it came time to push, I was like very worried that I was going to poop on the table and it inhibited my pushing. And then I'm like, I got to get over it. And so I just, you know, began pushing and I was very curious. Did I poop? And that everyone claims I didn't. Are they lying to me? Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I don't they know. They all yeah. say I didn't. As soon as my wife started shitting, I go, you're shitting right now. See, I feel like my... She's like, stop. I go, no, you're shitting. I just want you to know you're shitting. She's shitting. Is anyone going to check her blood pressure? Hey, listen, I got to roll because I got to get to physical therapy. For what? On the west side at four, my back. What's wrong with it? Just I'm old. You know, I just need to loosen it up. It's all from my neck to my asshole is one unmovable piece at this point. So we're just we're just doing Girl, some exercises. Girl, I hear you. Girl, I hear you. <laughs> That's how I feel. But yeah, crashing's the podcast. No, uh, no, crashing? Po- childish. Crashing. crashing is on Sunday nights, which I wrote on the last nope. couple seasons. Uh, childish, childish. Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, you, you can get it everywhere. If you want to visit our website, it's childishpod.com. Is there a section where people can call in, write yes, questions? Yes, yes. We take voicemails and we take questions over. What's email. the number for voicemails? I. 
don't know off the top of my head. Although you could look it up if you go to our website. Will you text it's it to on me? There. Yes. Will you text it to me so we yeah. can put it in the thing? Because I would love. I will one hundred percent do that. And then Fitz Dog Radio is the podcast, and, and then Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Is the other podcast. And I get a couple quick tour dates. Can I plug those? Please, please. I'll be in Grand Rapids, Michigan, February twenty eighth through March second, and then uh, March fourteenth through sixteenth, Springfield, Mass. The seventeenth, March seventeenth, St. Patrick's Day. I will be uh, my annual St. Patrick's Day show at the Improv in Hollywood. You want to do it? Are you around March 17th? I, just, I fly in March 17th. I just booked my ticket. You can't come out that night then. A night? You'll do it? Uh, let's do no, Hold on. Let's do a day one. No, the show's set at night. Yeah, let's do a day one too. All right. Let's let's marry them. You want to? Let's do it. We'll, we'll have one bleed into the other okay. and I'll see if they'll give, they'll give me the room at like Fucking three in the afternoon. That would be amazing. Noon. I'm going to get a band. I'll get an really? Irish band. If It'd be kind of late at this point, but we'll no, get something. No, we got something. plenty of time. We'll get green, we had green beer last year and we played oh, Irish hang music. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do... Can we do this? Can we, could we match them up and do a festival? Yeah, let's do go a, big. Do an all-day festival. Okay. Tell all oh our friends God. to come in and do sets. Yeah. Right? We'll do stand-up all day long. Okay. It's drinking on the outside. You can watch comedy on the inside. Move in and out. Yeah. And it's, and you and we can we'll do we'll get a band for the outside by the beer garden. Yep. Let's do a festival at the Improv. Okay, let's do it. I'm, I'm stepping on your ideas. St. So you Patrick's have this Day. Thing. It's a festival. All right, guys. Go to fitstog.com for tickets. And I found the voicemail number. Should I just say it now? Just say it now, please. Uh, so if you want to call in to Childish, leave us a voicemail. It's three two three. Five five three two three three one three two three five five three two three three one. Awesome. All right, dude. Congratulations, you guys. This is. Thank I gotta you. be honest with you. Sometimes you do a podcast and you feel like you have to do work, and sometimes it's like this, and you just go like, "Did I talk too much?" <laughs> no, this is no, this was fucking really awesome. Fun. Really awesome. This Great. was Thank out of this world. Thank All you guys. Right. I Thanks, appreciate man. it. Congratulations. Bye. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.